Welcome to Animals. Welcome to 1977. Welcome to our 10th episode of our Pink Floyd exploration. This is Light the Sky podcast, a, a, a journey through albums and artists that uh, over the years lit the sky. And today we've got another special guest. Uh, we followed up with you were here with a, uh, uh, a guest. It was a blast having him on, Kevin Kiley, uh, that Alex had brought on. And today we have my dad, uh, our dad, actually, Kevin and I, uh, our father, who is uh, on the show for the first time, and he is a you know on this album or on this album uh, show because uh, it's probably my most memorable album growing up listening to. He spun the record, or you know, I guess put it in the CD player because this was the '90s. Um, but uh, I listened to it many times, and so I uh, asked him if he wanted to be in the show. And thanks for uh, coming on. So uh, we'll just jump right into it. Uh, give you a little bit of intro, but uh, I mean, you're a, a musician. You've uh, you know, we grew up in a home studio and definitely influenced the way uh, we turned out, uh, you know, musically and our interests and everything, uh, you know, and that's really a big reason why we're doing this show. So thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, what would you like to say about Pink Floyd Animals? Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I, I remember uh, spinning the record still at, at that time, uh, even when you kids were uh, little. Um, it, it's obviously one of my favorite uh, Pink Floyd uh, albums. Um, I was looking for the CD. To prepare for this show and I couldn't find it. It's around somewhere. So I had to spin the album and then I spent, spun the album last night and then I realized, well, I need to mark down some times here. Can't do that with an album. <laughs> so right. I had to listen to it again on YouTube uh, to get all the times going. Yeah, get up with 2020 and uh, yeah, 2021 yeah. now. No, I don't, I don't. I wanted to hear the analog, you know, flowing. Yeah, yeah. So, right. um, so, so was, uh, uh, it, I haven't listened to it in a long time. So it, it's, a, it's a cool album for me. I, mean, I was 17 when this album came out. So it, it, it brings me back to the days I first started playing guitar and getting involved with bands and, and, and things like that. And it was just a, it was a cool album. And, and of course, as you guys all know, I'm, I'm very much into prog rock, a big Yes fan and a Genesis fan and, and even a Floyd fan. And uh, again, this is one of my favorite albums when it came out. Um, you know, one thing about this album, I guess we'll get into, I guess you guys do an overview before the track by track, so uh, I'll I'll uh, say a little bit more at that time. But uh, yeah, thanks uh, thanks again for having me, and look forward to the show. Sure, and uh, I mean this came out uh, like you said when you were seventeen, so it's kind of an interesting perspective that we haven't yet had on the show because you know we got into this music when it was long left for dead. I mean, not to say that Pink Floyd was left for dead, but I mean it certainly wasn't a part of our primes. You know, it was you know big thing when I was in high school and I was 17 was, uh, 50 cent and Kanye West. So, uh, you know, a different era for sure. And, uh, I mean, you saw them, how many times did you see them? I mean, you saw them light the sky. You're asking me how many times I saw yeah, them. How many? I only mm-hmm. saw them once, uh, oh, live. Yeah, okay. S- soldier, soldier That's field. That was in the nineties. Wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was, it was after waters. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Would have okay. loved to have seen them early. They, they, they didn't, uh, they didn't tour, tour at all, I think, in '76 because uh, they were busy making this this particular record. But uh, so but yeah, this, I don't know. the Soldier Field tour in or the Soldier Field show in in the in the flesh uh, tour wasn't that infamous for like ninety five thousand people or something. At yeah, there was there was a whole lawsuit, I guess, involved in oh. that. There and it was yeah. packed. I mean, I remember hearing about it back then. It was. Uh, hmm. You know, one of the biggest shows at that time at Soldier Field probably still is when you have ninety five thousand people crammed into you yeah. know onto the field. I mean, even <laughs> yeah, the one yeah. I I went to was was just it was full up to the 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 top in Soldier Field as well as the uh, mm-hmm. uh, the field. And uh, you know, yeah. even then they had the big pig, 
you know, coming mm-hmm. across so, yeah. a, a soldier <laughs> yeah, field, cool. which was really pretty oh, cool. Especially so. outdoor. Yeah. 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 It, it was fantastic. So I, I'm glad I at least got to see them. Sure. Okay. Especially, uh, yeah. I mean, in that era, they were still putting out, I mean, to see them on an album tour was something that, uh, I mean, you never would have had to do that again in this. I don't think they went on an endless river album tour, but, uh, yeah, we'll be getting there and, uh, yeah, let's jump into animals. I'm going to start off this week's episode, uh, giving my out of 10 intro, uh, it's going to be short and sweet because I both love and hate this album for distinctly different reasons. Um, <laughs> what's that 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 new corporate word? Um, bifurcated. I could bifurcate my love and hate for this album. Uh, I can really keep them separate, and for that, and be, I mean, I mean, to me, that that's something that I think um, almost like a perfect ten is almost kind of boring. So I'm going to give this an imperfect ten because it exists at both levels for me. And I'm asking to be dragged down. Drag me down from this. So we'll okay. see. That's how okay. I go with it. <laughs> All right. I think uh, I'm next. So, uh, yeah, I'm not, you, Chris. Yeah, I'm not going to be as ambiguous as that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this is a fascinating record. I think more, because uh, I read up a lot on the even like the making of this record. And funny enough, even more than the music, just the, 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 the writing and just the putting it together, I mean, really was what interested me the most because this is really where the band as far as the malignant kind of relationship between roger and the rest of the band really started to kind of harden here Mm -hmm. uh but i mean as far as i mean this is if the wall is like the definitive concept is where commerciality meets the concept uh i think animals is like the uncompromising concept where that's it's it's a concept album in its purest form it's not meant uh it's not gearing for the charts, but it's still in its own weird way. It's still very musical. Uh, mm-hmm. And it kind of, kind of exists in its own little, uh, 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 I mean, it's not as dense as the final cut, which we'll get to later, but it's still, yeah, a very strange kind of piece in the Floyd uh, history. Cause again, it came out between two juggernauts. Well, the three, I guess, if you want to say it's kind of the, yeah, it's kind of like the, uh, the ugly stepchild. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, nonetheless, uh, you're very, yeah, this is, yeah, Roger really, I, I kind of use, yeah, this is him climbing to the next peak of the antisocial la- uh, ladder. That was, uh, uh, something that kind of popped into my head. Uh, mm-hmm. cause yeah, he's really, this is yeah, kind of, he's on his way to the top of totally alienating himself from the planet. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is, and this, and this is the summit right before the peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, it's just a fascinating snapshot into a moment in time, uh, even compared to any of their other records. Cause yeah, again, this is probably the most purest, just a guy because again, this is, yeah, this is again, we're in pure Roger territory now mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, he's not letting anything yeah, yeah, everything. He's just saying it like it is in his well, from his perspective. It'll be, <laughs> it'll be interesting to listen to because uh, at this time in 1977 in the UK, um, I mean, the uh, punk was explosive. I mean, I think Johnny oh, yeah. Rotten is famous for the I hate Pink Floyd shirt. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it was this pushback against that. So where does that leave you at a, at a score, Chris? Uh, I think I'm going to stick it an eight just because, again, I just uh, I mean, the music does, does, doesn't resonate with me as much as some of the like I wish you were here or, or dark side. But, yeah, just uh, for what it is, it's just a fascinating piece that just from it's almost like reading a book. Like a really good book, yeah. It's uh, like Animal Farm, maybe. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. We're not gonna. <laughs> maybe yeah. we'll get there. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, but yeah. There's uh, if I had one, if, uh, I will throw this in there. If I had one problem with the record, it was some of the production on here 
is very dated compared to like Wish You Were Here or Dark Side. Like some of the, uh, especially one particular song, which we'll, we'll get into the track by track, really kind of bugged me because I'm like, man, if yeah, just the timelessness of Wish You Were Here and Dark Side uh, wasn't as heavy here. Sure. Yeah. All right. Get it. Dad, you're up. What do you? Uh, how do you stand on this record? Well, I'm giving it a, a nine. I'm assuming that the ten rating means out of all the Pink Floyd discographies, not of all time, right? Uh, of all time, really. I, I think I'm yeah. going to give this a ten. Like it really is. I'll give my reason. <laughs> okay. I did. I, there are, there's right, something I'll, I'll I really, really hate about this album. I'll but stick with the n- having that friction helps it. But yeah, I'll stick with a nine then. Um, but I, I have to disagree a little bit with Chris. On the production, I, I, uh, I listened to it twice, obviously, just recently. And I was the second time I ended up being my engineer self because, you know, I, I have my own studio. And I found that the production and what they're putting in each speaker and how they're panning everything and how many guitars are going on. I mean, I forget what song it was. I got it in, in previous notes here. But there's one song that there's like four guitars going. There's like three different leads going, different ears. And, and I just... The drums are separated beautifully from what you can hear mm-hmm. of Nick there, but um, they're just beautiful. And I found the separation and the the effects just, you know, as part of the whole production, maybe not as a, a perfect sound kind of thing, but the whole production right. and the way they arranged it and put all their little oh, yeah. pieces in went back and they, they added, you know, certain things. Obviously, the, the signature Floyd... Um, got to add my sound effects in in a lot of the tracks or, or most of the tracks, you know, like the dogs and the the pigs and the mm-hmm. the uh, uh, the sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, There's one so place I, where I, that works brilliantly, in my opinion. But right, no, I yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah, the, as far as the composition, the music, I mean, is very fascinating. I just as far as just how it sounded, it I just felt like like 1977 compared, like where it just sounds like that. We're dark side and wish you were here. A lot of yeah. the time, it, it sounds like it, it could come out of from Eddie. But no, musically, I mean, it's very, very fascinating. That's why I gave it a higher uh, rate. But yeah, just the production I was listening to yeah, somewhere, I'm like, it just sounds like where I, it sounds like Fleetwood Mac era 70s. I, I yeah, would say the guitars, kinda, yeah. the guitars probably could have been a little crisper. Um, yeah, you know, but but yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the technology at the time that, that, no, that I know, they I, had. No, I know that, yeah. Um, so I, I found it fascinating. I, I love the drum sounds of it. I love the keyboards mm-hmm. just inter, interpolating with, with all the music. And uh, again, it's one of my favorite Floyd albums, uh, and actually favorite albums of all time. But um, yeah, yeah I, I really love the production. I mean, and I think, um, and I know he only wrote um, uh, part of Dogs. And this is like, like Chris had mentioned that Roger basically took over a lot of the group at this point, the, you know, all the writing aspects. And uh, uh, Gilmore uh, was co-writer on Dogs. And to me, uh, listening closely to Dogs, that is some of his best work. I mean, just that song alone. I, I just love what he's doing there. A lot of the older stuff, yeah, great. Um, you know, he has that biting lead and, 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 and you know, on those older songs. But this stuff, he was just... It, it was just so talented, and, and I just love listening to this again. And, and uh, again, I think it's some of his best work. And and I know this is gonna. I'm gonna get some feedback on this. Um, it's probably some of Nick Mason's best work to date. You know, based on what you guys <laughs> have been bar. talking about. So I mean, I got a couple things queued up of Nick going at it here. And uh, uh, so yeah, that's my thought. I, I, you know, it's a nine, nine out of ten. Yeah, I mean, uh, to defend my 10 score a little bit before uh, I think Alex jumps in, I mean, to me, this is one of the three titans of this style, this 
you know, this, this, this era of music. It's yes, close to the edge, Genesis Duke and Pink Floyd animals. So those are all to me, 10 of 10, like albums that I will grab and listen to. And I can click anywhere, skip anywhere on those albums, drop the needle anywhere. And it's just good music pouring out of the speakers. Well, it's interesting that you say that because, um, I feel that to date, this is Pink Floyd's most progressive Okay, you can see them transition in the, into progressive and at the same era, at the same time, it, it's, it's ironic that Yes and Genesis were moving slightly pop. more pop. Yeah. Sure. Um, so Trick you know, of the Tail was uh, not, this year. Yeah, Duke was definitely not, not very progressive, you know, compared to earlier Genesis stuff. Right, and, great melody. Yeah. And then, you, you know, yeah. you got Going for the One and then Tormato. Tormato was definitely more pop. Yeah. Um, for sure. So you see them going in opposite directions. So that, that's kind of an interesting time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I think, uh, who's it up? No, Kevin, you're up next. I'm up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to weigh in on this production debate too. <laughs> <laughs> Pile it on. Here we yes. go. Let's pad the because show. I, I feel actually, I went into this listening to it for a couple times and felt like the Sonics weren't up to par. Um, there is mm. something. Uh, you need new headphones. No, <laughs> I like it. It's not that they're bad. It just feels less, less timeless. Right. Almost like that, that was Chris my point. said. Yeah. Um, it, uh, the, especially Gilmore's lead tone doesn't oh, have the yeah. same meat that it did on "Wish You Were Here." It, it's thinner, and and maybe that's intentional. But I noticed that it sounded kind of thinner. It sounded a little bit, uh, dare I say, cheaper. <laughs> um, it's, it's you know, they, they can't they can't use Abbey Road anymore to their heart's content. Um, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but it it just it did f- sound firmly rooted in 1977. Whether you like that or not, you know, I I don't mind it. I don't think it makes for a bad sounding album, but I don't think it's quite as crisp or as clear. Or maybe as pushing the boundaries as their previous albums. Right. You know, this is this is the album I would say where Mark lamented the fact that the studio didn't become an instrument anymore. I feel like this is almost the album where the studio is less of an instrument. Well, Not it's that it's subtle. bad. The, the production, like the production of the songs and putting together the song yeah. songwriting, is incredible. But in terms of pushing the studio boundaries, I'm not yeah. sure. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it, yeah, it sounds like an album of its era, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, there's a lot of my favorite records are, came out of that time. But yeah, for for this one, yeah, just compared to what yeah, it sounds like, yeah, like 1976, 77. Yeah, there's just and uh, they set yeah. the bar high. To be to be fair, oh, to I them. know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, but it, uh, it, the it, music it, matches yeah. the cover. It really does. I just see yeah. that those dark tones, those just those really just almost. You know, it's not brutalist, but I mean, it's it's you know brown and. Dark purple right. and, mm-hmm. and dark blue. Yeah. It's like an aftertaste. I mean, if, if anything, like I said, I mean, I love, I mean, as far as the construction, I mean, is great. But yeah, there's just this weird kind of where you can kind of, yeah, it's like, yeah, not that it's a bad taste in your mouth, but it's just like, it, it, it feels like that they were, instead of kind of following what they had been doing before, just following their own kind of creed, they were starting to kind of absorb, yeah, kind of other bands that were out at the time, like that, uh, uh, and, uh, not necessarily, yeah fully distinguishing themselves on a sonic level well you know what i mean i mean not that the not it's still not pink floyd but yeah there's just that 70s tinge that really bugged me for whatever reason here just because it's such a it's such a uh it's like like i like i said in my opening statement i mean this is a 
uh, this is like one of the definitive, like truly like fundamental concept records, and you expect it to sound a certain way. Uh, and it just kind of sounds like they were absorbing, they were being influenced by other superstars of the era. Sure. Yeah, yeah. we'll get into that more. So, yeah. Uh, what's your out of 10, Kevin? Uh, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. And where I'm going to praise them here in my statement, because uh, obviously that's a high score, is that I feel like they've done what few bands can do. And they've taken a bunch of long songs, well, three, and not make the album seem excessively long. No. You know, you know those albums yeah. when you get, you know, 18, 17, 20 minutes, and you're like, oh, man, how am I going to make it through? <laughs> down, right? I listened to this several times in a row, and I was never like, man, can I, I'm just waiting for Pigs on the Wing Part 2. Can we just get... <laughs> I, there was never at that point, wow. and I think anything like that has to be praised. Okay. Sure. So, high praise. Alex, give us your thesis. Yeah, a lot of interesting <laughs> points here. and You got 40 pages for us? No, no, I don't know Come if I on. have that much. But uh, like I stated after Wish You Were Here, I was really excited to listen to this record because I had never listened to it before. Um, this is the one album of the Golden Era of Floyd that just evaded me. Uh, funny enough, though, my mom, who is not really a prog psychedelic rocker at all, seemed to know this album whenever we talked about Pink Floyd. <laughs> So I'm like, all right, well, maybe I got to check this out. And I heard, uh, you know, for the diehard fans, uh, this was a lot of people's favorite album. And, you know, it's kind of the underdog. And, you know, going back to our face-to-face episode, why I loved the album that we covered so much was because it was the underdog outlier album of that band. So I'm like, okay, I, I want I want this to be my favorite. And I listened to this album probably more in prep than any other album I've done for this show. I was really hoping this was going to be like, all right, I get it. And after a good amount of listens, I, I was getting there. But I think overall, I'll give it a seven. Um, I I will agree with Kevin where they are longer songs, uh, not like an Adam Hart mother or an Echoes, which, you know, Echoes was obviously very impressive, but out of the longer songs, I agree, where I didn't feel like they seemed that long. I, I was less distracted, and I could kind of get lost in the pieces more. Uh, obviously, the the middle three songs are the real meat of the album here, and there's a lot of really intelligent stuff going on. We'll get into it with the track by track. But uh, I guess weighing in on the production as well, uh, I guess I was I was kind of talking to Kevin about this earlier this week. I was trying not to jump the gun and, and talk too much about it before the show. But yeah, for some reason, it almost seems like the production is like a step back compared to where we just came from. Not that it's bad and not that this, I mean, the songwriting is incredible. But if you're talking about it from a sonic uh, standpoint, I was trying to think like, what I would give this as like a one statement. And it almost feels like this album is a little out of place and order to me where I feel if you're talking about it from a sonic standpoint, I feel like it almost should have came out after metal and then they did dark side, which, you know, I don't know if we as fans would have wanted that because, you know, we were itching to get to dark side and would we have wanted to sit through animals and then get to dark side. So I appreciate them doing that. But if you listen to Wish You Were Here, to me, that album sounded so futuristic with the production and the sounds, uh, especially Dark Side 2, where, you know, we mentioned it kind of sounded like it could have came out in 2012. 
And then you listen to this and it's like, it almost sounds like a step back. Like it's a little bit more seventies and a little less futuristic and, you know, wish you were here almost sounded eighties. Like it jumped a decade. Um, so I, I guess that's where I'll kind of stand on the production, but yeah, I guess we could get more into the concepts and the subject matter, which I actually really appreciate. And uh, to wrap it up, I think it's funny that you were talking about Johnny Rotten because, uh, you know, as you guys know, I'm a huge punk fan and I love a lot of the late 70s British punk, like the Buzzcocks and the Damned and the Sex Pistols mm-hmm. and stuff and the Jam and stuff like that. And I find it kind of interesting that punks were kind of going after Pink Floyd and Pink Floyd kind of stated that they didn't really care for punks that much. Because if you really kind of think of the subject matter where they're kind of addressing you know, social class and stuff like that, you feel like they would be more on the same team. Uh, it's coming yeah, from a subject matter. I, I totally understand it from a music standpoint where punks, you know, appreciate the more simplified, shorter songs, and they might not want to waste their time with this intellectual highbrow stuff. But from a, from a subject matter, I feel like, you know, they would have agreed a little more. No, and uh, they, they kind of the, did the because, problem, Nick, well, Nick Mason, he, uh, he ended, I think he had a book. Well, Andy and, produced a damned record, which I didn't know, which is yeah, amazing well, he to was, me. No, he was a big fan of punk. I mean, uh, right, right. I learned and, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, uh, he, he was, he like meant it to go back, kind of like how Pink Floyd started, kind of in that uh, the culture, you know, the dark culture kind of thing, and then sure. you know, that's what punk was, you know. So he he was he was interested by that, and so he he, he had no problem with it. The other guys, I don't know if they did well, or not. The, the problem right. is that if you think about where each um, circle of music was at that time in 1977 UK, I mean, punk was in the gutter and it was just raw and visceral and Pink Floyd was touring the world and they were raking in, you know, millions and millions of dollars and spending it on shows and Bentleys or whatever. So like I could totally see, you know, even if, if they are ideologically, you know, aligned or, you know, somewhat uh, aligned. It's just like, well, Pink Floyd, they're just all talk. Like we're in the gutter. We're fighting like Pink Floyd where they, you know, they get chauffeured around. So I could see the friction for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, you do have them releasing some of the best selling albums and hottest albums. And when have, when have ever like any of those people on the lower musical ladder ever been like, Oh yeah, that huge selling pop act. I love them. I want to be that, 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 That's true, <laughs> but you know, with punk. Like, it's, that punk. it's true, Bap, but that jo- it, Justin Bieber. Yeah, we love punk. Right. No, I totally, I totally agree with that because you see, you know, these punks in the streets, and they look at like these huge mega band like Pink Floyd, and it's like you know these sellouts and stuff like that, and we're never going to get that, and we don't need that. We're you know dirgy, crappy guitars. You know, we don't need nice gear kind of stuff. And and I, you know, obviously I have an appreciation for that ethos, but I almost feel like Pink Floyd was kind of doing a punk record of their own here, especially yeah. Roger kind of mm-hmm. targeting some of these, because like he's in the biggest band in the world and, and going, you know, and he's, he's, you know, excuse my language, but he's like shitting on the record industry in his own songs that he yeah. knows millions of people are going to listen to. And I just feel like, you know, punks would be like, he, he's not kissing anybody's butt here. He's take, he's using his platform to rail against what's kind of making his band huge. So I just, I, right. I, you know, I feel like they would have appreciated it a bit, but I get what you're saying too. Yeah. All right. So, well, it sounds like on. a perfect time to jump yeah, in. Track by track. Take it yeah. away, Kevin. This is pigs on the wing. Part one. 
if you didn't care what happened to me and I didn't care for you Zigzag away through the bottom of pain, occasionally glancing up through the rain. Yeah, this is, I guess, for to just to show the uh, uh, how much of an emotionally kind of complex person Roger was. I mean, yeah, this really kind of it almost lures you into a false sense of like what's what's to come yeah it's like okay well very somber we're gonna start out he's singing about his new uh his new relationship and uh, kind of how important this person uh is to him even as complex as it it was weird yeah because i had to read a little bit into um uh because yeah part two is a little bit more easier to read part one you have to kind of read into it between the lines a little bit um, uh, yeah, according to Dave Mason, as far as, yeah, Roger writing the, these two parts about his new wife, yeah, that she, I guess, was the first person in his life who was just as hard-headed and as complex as he was, and I guess was the first person who really challenged, uh, him on, like, a, on an intellectual level, uh, to the point where I think sometimes it was uncomfortable even, but later, I guess, Roger said that that was actually what he had been looking for, but it struggled to articulate it. And even when you read the lyrics here, it sounds like two people that are kind of uh, trying to find footing, uh, but haven't necessarily gotten there yet. But you can see there's some weird connection that they're trying to build. Uh, yeah. Funny enough, as long as, as all the other songs were, this is the one I really had to kind of dissect a little bit because yeah, it was not because when you first read it, uh, it's very kind of, yeah, it's uh, it's a little ambiguous. Yeah. Because, yeah, if you, again, it starts with, if you didn't care what happened to me and I didn't care for you, okay, like, what, uh, uh, is, is he being sarcastic or is he kind of weeding out to see if this person really is the one or, or whatever you want to call it? Uh, again, yeah, it's weird. It's uh, uh, very short but very kind of important to the kind of over, overall kind of wandering emotional theme of this record. Uh, and I got to Yeah, it's uh, in a way you kind of need it to to kind of bring you down from the hard parts. Do you? I, I don't know. How do you feel about this as an opener? Is this a solid opener? Like I I, I just it, I'm I'm just unsure it, about it. It's not bad. There's nothing offensive I'm, I, about it. Yeah, I'm right. I, I'm not I, looking I, at it. From, yeah, yeah. From a song perspective, I'm not talking about it. Yeah, like okay, yeah, it's like a minute. All right, it's. <laughs> Uh, but again, with a lot of these Pink Floyd records, you have to look at it within the context of the whole piece, uh, which I've started to appreciate more. I know early on it was hard to do that, especially especially with the more experimental records. But here, this is very much a a story driven record, probably the most uh, of of the classic albums. Yeah, you kind of it's hard. To, the music is almost like secondary. Uh, it's almost there to kind of just to move the the story along or or the or Rogers ventings or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I don't know. It, it was weird to me. What, why did it have to be Yeah, a minute 20? It's kind of, I don't know, but that's, they did weird stuff like that. <laughs> I feel like they yeah. just wanted to take the wish you were here formula and invert it. 
Um, and it's interesting to think about how if they would have taken the dark side formula where it's more songs that flow together but are more delineated um, mm-hmm. as actual tracks uh, versus just let's just stuff 17 minutes of music into dogs. Um, I mean, could you have made that, broken that, done the, you know, wish you were here formula versus just saying, yeah, last album we bookended the track or the album with uh, two in two long songs and stuff the uh, short songs in the middle. And this one, we're going to stuff the short songs. We're going to bookend it. And then we're going to, we're going to pad out the middle with uh, some long songs. So, you know, it just, it just seems like they just, and, and, you know, to their history, they were always doing that. Like, we're going to take this concept and run it again. And we're going to try it. And again, and this time we're going to put the echoes on the back of the album instead of the front of the album or with Adam Hart. But that's just what I think that, that this format let it lend itself to. I mean, I don't want to jump the discussion, but could this have been a three song? Yes. Album instead. I think it could have been a it's song. it's an interesting point <laughs> that you you mentioned that Kev because I mean I I agree where it's not offensive at all and you know coming from me who has praised the more folky soft rock Roger songs before you listen to this and it's like all right you're you're hitting people in the face with this right off the bat and this and the last song are the kind of outliers compared to what the meat of the album is. And I, I appreciate that because he, I think he did that. So the whole album wasn't a downer. <laughs> he wanted to have, he wanted yeah. to have a little lighthearted, you know, optimism there. And oh, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that. But and it's I'll, like I'll get. To, I'll tell you why later. But. Yeah, and, and I appreciate that being on there. But it's just an interesting choice for uh, track one, I guess. It's like, all right, mm-hmm. well, you're you're bringing these people into this concept and then boom, you're hitting them with dogs. And it's like, could this have, you know, maybe just been at the end, like a one part gigs or something. It's interesting to think about, you know, it's, yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, Just because of how kind of bitter and dense this record is, you would think that, and I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a deeper reason why he put the songs where he did. Um, But where you would think like after all of the crap that he's complaining about, it's like, okay, well, here's, one good thing that I guess I can say about life. I have somebody to share. Yeah. Who's right. on the same level as me. The thing is that this album is, yeah. um, at least if not, I mean, it's not a, a copy of, or it's not really just a, you know, influence or, it's, you know, I guess whatever you want to call it, but animal farm, the book, the George Orwell book, um, one of my favorite books, you know, I can bang through that book in like, uh, a day. It's like, I can read that, reread that book like a, once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, Roger, you know, I'll get to it later on in the record, but, um, I mean, that book has a very, very, um, iconic feel to it. And, you know, whether or not Roger wanted to just borrow the concepts and make them his own, or if he were trying to, you know, maybe be a little bit more imitative of it, you know, I don't know, but, uh, you know, I don't know that this is really representative of that, the opener and the closer. Do you have any? I don't know, your guys. The work that it's based on. Your guys' opinion is it's interesting to me that you look at the more lyrical part of it. And I, I can tell you, obviously, when this album came out, it was fresh, it was new. Um, we could care less about the lyrics at that point. I think, you know, we we could care less about Roger babbling on about his political ideals. Who cares? The, well, my, as guitarists, we just wanted to play like David Gilmore. You know, we wanted to hear that stuff. My, you know, my, I'm, I'm so sorry. So it's a concept to... album. And, and, right. and I think as a concept album, to bookend it like they did is pretty impressive. 
Uh, am yeah. I a fan of those two songs? Eh, not really. I could care less about Roger's love life in in, in this situation. Right. <laughs> and, and I just I, I just found, and I'm not a big fan of the songs, but I just found it interesting how they did bookend it. Yeah, and it's different from a lot of the other albums. Hmm. Right. You know, a lot of albums don't want to start with such a soft acoustic, especially That's true. It, especially yeah. in the hard rock seventies. I mean that by seventy seven you had to punch. You, you, like you wanted couldn't. a punch coming out of the uh, out of the gate here, and, and they just did something different, and that's what I found I found fascinating about mm-hmm. it. Mike, that's really interesting that you mentioned that how analytical we're being about the lyrics, and I think maybe it's due to some recent feedback we've been getting on the show, at least in my part, because I feel like you know some and. I, I actually appreciate the feedback we've been getting on some of these episodes where people are questioning if if we really get what the band is about. And if anything, I'm actually trying to anal- or like, you know, dive into the lyrics a little bit more, maybe more now. It's like a knee-jerk reaction where maybe I need to overanalyze things and you're saying well, no, just, you know, appreciate it. Enjoy <laughs> we appreciate the music. it. I Enjoy mean. the music. Which which the music that here is the the music enjoy, I mean. en- enjoying the music has is what I personally have been doing all the way up until then, and then I feel like we're getting a little flack for it. So now I'm trying to get more well, into the lyrics. Know, right. in, it's in 1977, you go to the store, you you buy, believe it or not, a record, a, a 12 inch vinyl record. You yeah. bring it home, you're excited. You unpeel the wrapping, you put it on the turntable, you let it fly. You're not thinking about the lyrics. I mean, you're listening to the the the, the whole right. album as a whole, rather than just you know pieces. That first time you hear it, and right. I was amazed the first time I heard it, and I didn't get deep into it. now. Yes, I I look at it, and and mm-hmm. like you guys, you're analyzing the lyrics, and that's what I did the last two days. I actually started looking at this, and I was like, right. wow, this is just psycho battle, and you know, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, but I, I still love the music and I, and the lyrics and the melodies just just fit in really nice. So, but that that's when you, your first impressions are everything. You know, you pop that thing on the turntable and you're listening to the whole thing. Yeah. You know, the right. music, the you know, not necessarily what they're trying to say. At that I think point. you can say that a lot because you listen to the whole album. You know, you didn't just start off with a single. You put this record on, listen to it front to back. Yeah. That's right. And I think you can say that a lot about progressive rock. I mean, I love Tales from Topographic Oceans, but I couldn't tell you a darn thing about what they're saying on that album. So talking about, <laughs> about John <laughs> Anderson's right. Buddhist, you know, musings or whatever. Yeah. The music's good. <laughs> so, you know, that's where yeah. it ends up being, right. I guess. So You just can't have a complete failure, and that's where I'll be getting later in the, in the uh, show with where the friction really grind starts to grind against me um with the way that the concept um you know works against itself in a way but, okay uh, yeah. we'll get there and uh let's move on to get into that meat that we we're talking about this is dog Spits 
You know, one of the things that I really appreciated about the early era of Pink Floyd was the way that they approached long form transitions um, and some of the the early work just uh, I'm talking the Sid, like the really, really early stuff. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, like interstellar overdrive and, and, uh, you know, set the controls for the heart of the sun where they just had these transit, these musical transitions that lasted minutes. And it's really, you know, I really appreciate that, that they've kept that in their writing process, even if it's much more subtle. And I want to take us through, um, uh, the, the dogs part where the dogs are barking. It's mm-hmm. actually kind of funny because one of my dogs is just a huge barker. And I was listening to this and he's barking outside. <laughs> You're barking in my ear. And I was like, enough dogs. But then it came back at, at so start, the, the dog starts at five along and, and I, or five Oh nine. And I just wrote like, okay, it sounds like my dog barking his head off. Um, but at nine 24, it comes back again. And this time it starts to be run through the vocoder, a, like, right? It's almost like a yeah. vocoder. A yeah. Synth, I mean, it's yeah. definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play a little nine twenty four here. Um, So you distinctly hear dogs, though, even if it is vocoded and 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 effect oriented, like it's definitely dog barking. And it's got the cadence of dog barking. Mm-hmm. Now, if you skip a little bit ahead to ten forty nine, um, I love that little whistle there. Did you hear that little yeah. whistle? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this almost sounds like a dog whistle or something. Like it's just it's like you know calling them in or. Or, or whatever it is. And then at 1115, and I'm, t- so if, if you're paying attention to my timestamps here, I mean, we're talking two, two and a half minutes here. Um, we're getting on that, you know, on that length here. So at 1115, I mean, you're hearing howls, you're hearing dog cries, but it's becoming more and more layered. It's becoming more and more obfuscated. Like it's just it just took that just literal dog bark, which just sounded so goofy to me at five minutes. And then they evolved it and they played with it and threw out different sections of the piece. Like I was just thinking, yeah, I now all of a sudden I like it. Like that's 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 really such a great way of of, of taking from their past and those long form transitionings and actually making them work within the context of a, a track like this. So I really appreciate what they did there, even if they're not as just obvious about it as that they used to be, even if it's just as subtle as it is with just a dog barking, how it slowly and slowly becomes more and more electronic and obscure. Yeah, I never thought about it like that, but yeah, that is interesting. I will admit, yeah, that the synth part that kind of takes up the last like two or three minutes, I felt it go on a little long. I don't know why. Uh, I also did put that down. The more I listen to this one, the more I feel like this is the one that could have a little bit of uh, it, yeah, me, oh yeah, yeah, uh, big time. And this is uh, as far as my issues with production. Oh, you know, this big time, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of cutting, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is probably my biggest. The song that I had the biggest issue with, as far as how it sounded, uh, like the guitar playing on here. Uh, again, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, Dave's always very tasteful, but again, it's got that '77 era kind of like I hear and I know immediately what era this is, yeah, which, which is fine. Do but you from, have a 1335 in your notes? Uh, I don't. I kind of stopped. Uh, kind of at about 10 minutes because just as far as things I wanted to focus on. Uh, but yeah, you can play. Uh, what was that? Cue it up. Uh, whatever you. Steve I was going to say that yeah. throughout this, this very, very whole exotic. thing. Yes. There are so yeah. many Steve yeah, Howell no, parts. I, uh, well, 
And, and, and I'll just jump in real quick. I don't have a whole lot of notes on this. I mean, I was extremely impressed when I first heard this song. I think I popped this on last Sunday night after Wish You Were Here, and I'm like, man, the fact that they crafted this whole, what, 17-plus minute piece, and it didn't really ever get too boring for me. I, I was really impressed. But the thing that hit me right off the bat were those guitar chords. And I was reading a little bit uh, into the actual song, like on Wikipedia, you know, forgive me if I'm cheating a little bit here, but it was saying <laughs> that they were using unusual chords for Pink Floyd at that time. Mm-hmm. And I know, Mike, uh, you mentioned, I, I think it was you or maybe somebody else mentioned how they were really getting into progressive rock here. And this song absolutely is like the the blueprint for that. Like, this is the most kind of progressive thing I've really heard them do just with chord choices and stuff like that. And then, yeah, obviously you hear a lot of yes in this. Um, really That's cool kind song. of funny because I have in my notes, it's very yes-like. The, yeah. the yeah. Whole construction, yeah. the different yep. movements. Right. Um, although, you know, if you, you listen to the song, it's basically the whole thing is 4-4. Four, four, whereas yes are going to have all kinds of different time changes with different instruments. Sure. Um, right. <laughs> but it, but the, the movements and everything is it's just... Um, uh, to me, um, th- this is what made the album, this particular song. It's right. one of my mm-hmm. favorite all-time songs. Um, I know it's 17 minutes, and it's hard to sit through. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I made a lot of notes on this one, uh, you know, yes being being the first thing. Um, but I don't Can somebody queue up, like, uh, around yeah. 110? Mm-hmm. Listen I, I, to Nick. Without thinking. Is that 110? Yeah. Yeah. Hear that drum roll? That's unusual. You can't work on points for stuff. Then listen to about 150. So now if you listen to this really close, the drums are still going in the background. And they overdubbed these toms. Yeah. Now whether mm-hmm. Nick yeah. did that or yeah. not, but it, you know it's it's some of his best work to date. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying a whole lot here because that's not a hard role to do. Um, <laughs> no, but I think the way that fit in was was pretty cool. Yeah, it's and he didn't get any credit for the writing on any of no. this stuff. So. You, you, know, you know, you know what I'm kind of hearing here because there's so much tom work going on there. I don't want to say that Pink Floyd stole from this other band, but especially with that. Biting guitar tone. We've mentioned this band in the past, but 2112, how that whole intro to that song, the signature part is that, you know, rack tom fill. And a lot of the guitar tones I'm hearing kind of similar too. So maybe I don't know if they were listening to each other or what. But yeah, check out the guitar tones at 340 if you can cue that up real quick. I had that actually, yeah. There's how many guitar parts going on? Three, four, more than that. Yeah, acoustic. I mean, the guitar's triple layered. There's an, probably two mm-hmm. acoustics. Yep, at least. Yeah, there's, 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 Boston, there's I mean. at least three lead parts going on there too. It's just amazing, and that's when I when I talk about the production. Yeah. Like wow. Uh, it's just just amazing how we put all this together into harmonies. Right. It's, yeah, it's right. no wonder yeah, they had to the bring somebody else like, on tour. For that. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Snowy, 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 what's his White, name? I think. Right. People love. Boston yeah, it, and their I, first record, and that was what seventy six. Yeah. yeah, that was the year before. Yeah, a lot of a lot yeah. of monsters came out during that. And you know what? Months, that sounds yeah. totally nineteen seventy six. What? Oh, the Boston's the, debut. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. Well, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, because they, and they came the out with that punch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's for sure. But if uh, I were to say one more thing about dogs, though, is yeah. that uh, my favorite of all time, if I were to sum up this record in thirty the thirty seconds, yeah. is that the ending of dogs, just that that whole refrain. Yeah. Um, that Roger just pushes out, just you know. Who- Thing that, yeah, I love yeah, that. I mean, and I've, I've given Nick Mason like he cares a ton of crap yeah. uh, over his <laughs> like, doing the same film nine times in a row. And like, I don't even know if I want to give him credit here because who knows who it actually was because we've been burned by that before. But those were some fills like he was he was changing it up a little bit there right. in that section. You know, there yeah. were some fills that were a little bit different, a little bit more creative, just not just doing the same right. role filled over the toms every time. You know what I wish I, I had one. Oh, go ahead, Alex. I, I was just gonna say I had one quick timestamp. I, I only wrote one, but I, I really liked that they did this. Uh, it almost sounded a little Wizard of Ozzy to me. Uh, around 1354, they do this really kind of weird run to get cue that up. <laughs> I, I just thought that was so cool that it was almost kind of like spiraling down. Like what? It's like a half diminished scale or something like that. Whatever that was, I, I, down. you only hear it, it at Vincent, that. But, yeah, you only hear it at that one part in the song, and I'm like, oh, that, that keeps you interested. You oh, know what? I who mentioned copy? What so, was it? Kevin mentioned copycatting. Somebody copycatted. Uh, I, if you go listen to Porcupine Tree, uh, it's a song called "Time Flies." It's a tribute to this particular song. It's amazing how they took pieces out of this particular song and made their own. Now, Dogs mm. is by far a better tune as far as I'm concerned. But right. check out Time Flies by them. You'll be amazed. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've heard this one before. Yeah. Yeah, the one thing I will criticize about Dogs, though, at least in... Um, in comparison to the other two songs on this album, it doesn't really have, you know, it's not as exploratory in terms of, you know, it doesn't go as many places as, for example, Sheep does. Hmm. Oh, you mean what, musically or, yeah, or the, I mean, or the concept? Just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, both. I mean, yeah, the, I mean, yeah, the concept is very, is very dense. I mean, yeah, it's funny because, I mean, at this point, I mean, Roger has kind of become like an executive, if you want to say that he's kind of, gotten to the top and he's not really treating everybody <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. funny but he's being very scathing here i mean again it's kind of like have a cigar it's very dense um as far as the i mean it pretty much goes through like like a guy who's been burned by the man and now he's like well hopefully that guy will get his at some point i mean you mm-hmm. you see in like the second half where he says yeah yeah just another sad old man all alone and dying of cancer like yikes <laughs> mm-hmm. i've never seen i've never seen that in a uh, in a big uh record and then the end of uh, and then the very end of the uh it's kind of the guy burning all like he's kind of alienated everybody. Now he's kind of, I think, uh, reaping the harvest. Yeah, you reap the harvest you have sown yeah, of a lifetime of whatever. I will, 
Uh, I will say this about yeah. this song, and it's just a question that popped into my head. I almost wish that they had saved Roger for just that ending part and let Dave sing the last verse. Because I noticed when Roger came in after the instrumental section, and I don't know why that happened, but I just felt like it would have had more impact if, if Roger had come in around that 15-minute part, like that was his only section. It's a total switch. It's a total switch musically. Mm-hmm. It, why not be a total switch vocally, too? I don't yeah. know. And, I don't and know. that's my point, too. It takes 15 minutes to really change the feeling of, of that. It. Yeah. Hey, Kev. Yeah, be- yeah, before we go to the next song, can you queue up uh, around 5.30? Uh, this is probably the not most n- only non-progressive part on this song. It almost reminded me of Tom Petty a little bit. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I know Dave is going to get all the credit and all the ears yeah. for this one, but if you listen to what Richard Wright is doing underneath that, it's good. It's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Keep listening to that. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, that was Dogs. Obviously, the, that is the longest song on this album. And we're going to move on to Pigs. This is three different ones. Before you yeah. jump in, Chris, yeah. Dad, yeah. that sounds like you soloing. Oh, I, That's the I, part got, some I, was talking about. I got some notes on that. Not about me soloing, but I'll, <laughs> it when it's my totally turn. Totally sounds like, <laughs> yeah. like off the Fallout record. It totally sounds like that, it. Yeah, that's why I was going to say this is why we all love Dave. I mean, that's that's Pink Floyd doing hard rock and making it very unique. Yeah, I'm, Kevin, I'm glad you picked out that one because I had that kind of bulleted in my notes. Yeah, that that's really like the yeah. There's the meat of that song right there as far as just taking it to the next level. Um, yeah, again, another very fascinating multi-layered, uh, again, yeah, the pigs representing different, three different people at the top of society. Uh, and it's kind of interesting how three, I think, right? No, it's three. Yeah, it's three. Each, each verse section is a particular person that he had issues with. And I think it was only one person he calls out directly, uh, in the last verse, uh, White House, Proud Town Mouse. Uh, yeah, that uh, yeah, she was some kind of like uh, from the impression I got from just all the reading I was doing uh, that she was kind of like uh, like a Tipper Gore type figure where she was railing against like obscenity in yeah. England as far as kind of crushing PMRC and to, of the seven right it, exactly and yeah and yeah Roger was kind of calling her out yeah for yeah it's like what are you doing yeah what what kind of yeah it's it, 
yeah, it's, you don't have no right to yeah to kind of dictate how yeah uh, mm-hmm. yeah how things are dished out in society. But uh, uh, but yeah, again, yeah, this is uh, yeah another uh, whether again it's railing against the man. Yeah, you can see. Yeah, he. he <laughs> I don't know if at this point in 76, 77, if, if there was one particular meeting that he had that just all of a sudden pushed him over the edge to do this record and write. Because, <laughs> yeah, there is, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there is some, um, yeah. Well, you know, what I appreciate about this yeah. one is that, you know, regardless of all that or, you know, wherever he was at this time, uh, he brought the bass, too. Like, if you listen <laughs> uh, to those, oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. listen to the, those triads over those oh solos, my God. Like, oh, those octaves that do, like, over the, oh, it's so good. It, like, it I'm, stands out so well. And and the vocal delivery in the ha-ha charade, oh, I, I, I got to play that because that is so, so good. Here, somebody else take it while I cue that up. <laughs> Yeah, it's the first part is is probably the best. No, yeah, just I, I don't even have the song. Yeah. Mar- Mark, I was just going to say, I mean, I know Chris was commenting on the guitar playing, but it's the bass is what wins this song for me. I mean, I think this is one of Roger's strongest bass pieces. I mean, outside of like a money yeah. where the, he's got it's, such a signature line, but him just doing fills and like those octaves at 1013. Yeah. I'm so glad you play that. I love it. And you know, obviously they uh, going back to the guitar part of this song first use of the talk box uh, later on in the song, which is actually pretty cool. I don't think they had used that. I, if I read that correctly, yeah, but I believe man, this one, this song just rocks. It's, it's like the have a cigar of this album. I've got it queued up here. I love the one. I think it's here. I love that. I love the woo. Like it's so good. It's like the John it's, Anderson it, woo. The yeah. Roger Waters woo. He does it's, it once. It's got it is so good. Like it's it's so goofy, but it works so well. And and like it honestly, that that line, the ha ha charade you are and the woo is just one of the best vocal deliveries. It is like Michael Jackson level. Uh, just just wow, taking okay. a, a weird line will, and just I, make and just digging in with it. It is so good. I will right. say, like, I mean, it gives it personality because it sounds, I mean, yeah, I mean, Roger was always very good at throwing shade and you can see here, it's very, it's very witty. Yeah. The way that he delivers that, yeah, with, with all these people that he's calling out. Uh, I, I hate to burst. And I don't think, I, don't, I hate to burst our Roger yeah. Waters bubble right now. Um, as we're complimenting him, but the uh, official credits uh, do not credit him with the bass. Uh, David Gilmore on the bass. Oh no! <laughs> no, no, no wonder why. <laughs> you know what? I he think did the I solo and the bass. I think I read that actually. Didn't they swap? Yeah, Roger like, played, Roger rhythm, played guitar rhythm guitar. On the song. Yeah. So, oh well, Mr. Gil- Gilmore, thank you very much for the bass. <laughs> is this the I, is this I, the I, one where I, they actually I erase some that. tracks? I believe that belongs to uh, Mr. There Gilmore. There was one song where they erased a Gilmore, a Gilmore solo. Yeah, I don't remember had... which one that was. Yeah. Oh, that is such a Roger Waters <laughs> thing to go sneak into the studio late at night. Erasing. <laughs> just, just backing the tape head up, wiping yeah. out magic. I'm going to have to uh, break ranks with everyone here. Um, I, I love the first part of the song through the first verse and everything, but um, I didn't get the exact time on it, but... I would say maybe six or seven minutes of the entire song is the same groove. Mm. And yeah. it kind of had me kind of dragging. And it kind of had me. It is yeah. Always, I'm clicking around the song. It's the same. Yeah, so it's the same groove going throughout. And I was like, okay, let's, you know, the rest of the songs on the album move. 
you know, they move around. There's different movements. But this one right. kind of dragged on for me a little bit. It's not a bad song. I love the song. Um, it, it's just, I kind of felt like what uh, uh, my drummer friend was saying uh, just recently. <laughs> he couldn't listen to these Pink Floyd podcasts of yours uh, because Pink Floyd puts him to sleep. And he said, I said, well, I was that Sleepy Floyd, and he says, yeah, I just can't can't listen to him. And uh, and that, I tell you what, you know, he's he's kind of right in some of that stuff. You listen back to it, they're slow beats. It's always the ride symbol going, and it's slow motion, and it's it's. So I understand where he's coming from, but you, you know, um, this particular album I told him was just not like that. It, it, it moves, but in this song, it, to me, it, it had that dragging effect on me but uh yeah those leads who who mentioned those leads holy cow at the end that's that's yeah. the fastest i heard dave play ever. to date yeah ever maybe correct I love that rocking out the end of the song too. Yeah, that, Very eighties, yeah, seventy-seven. Yeah, that's uh, your uh, shirt off with your foot on the drum riser with the guitar, and you can just kind of <laughs> yeah. getting lost in the moment there. That's, <laughs> that's a, a hero just, moment that's a strat. Sure. It, it's it's just all it's all feel. It's all like yeah. I mean, that's, remember yeah. remember on the first podcast where I said if you can't listen to Eruption, then you don't like guitar. <laughs> remember that? I remember <laughs> oh, yes. it clearly. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So this and I had to listen until you guys did Floyd again. So I, <laughs> yeah. I was, so, so, yeah. I was on strike. So this this was the. Uh, would you say that this is the song that if you do not enjoy this guitar tone, then you do not like the Stratocaster? No. <laughs> okay. All right. Just wondering if you were going to go it's, that far. It's I don't classic, know. Oh, there's many people. David like Gilmore. I mean, his, his tones. He had a sharper Strat tone the yeah. most I, i'm not sure if that was the high watts he was playing through at the time or 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 what but he had, he had a little bit of sharper whereas you know guys like uh, uh blackmore he had uh, a sharp tone and a very thick tone um right. at that time like during rainbow and stuff so um so i find dave whoever said it was a little thin i'd say yeah this album is probably thinner mm-hmm. um than most of his other stuff but you know, man, like I said, that that lead at the end is is uh, a Speedy Dave. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see. I wish he would have done a whole record of that stuff like that, just an all out kind of, yeah, just Dave doing rock. I mean, not necessarily like a normal hard rock record, but just like yeah, interesting stuff like that. I think he could have done really well, but alas, mm-hmm. uh, we got a very loungy record the last time did, around. Did anybody have an issue <laughs> yeah. with the pig sounds, or were we just like? Accepting it, we're it's all all good. It's, it's, uh, a, part, <laughs> it's a part. It's a part of the. I do theme. like the intro. I mean, it, it's a bit weird. Um, it's it, not the best pig sound I've heard. It's a little bottom of the barrel. Again, yeah. I'll again, just find a pig and put it, it in there. Again, Roger so, was just yeah sticking it to the yeah like the the, the there are people that kind of are in control and trying to mold society that are. Yeah, you might as they might they might as well be wallowing as pigs in the mud. I think that was kind of what what the what, what he was trying to get across. Yeah, Before this we may have on, been though. the first Floyd song I played. It, it was kind of uh, interesting. I was with this keyboard player. He was a friend from the neighborhood, and I didn't know he played that well. All of a sudden, we're at um, my brother's house, and we had our equipment set up, and uh, he just starts playing this riff, the the beginning of this song on the keyboard mm-hmm. on a Farfisa organ. I'm like. That's cool. I know this song. So I, I went into the guitar part. Dun, 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 it. So it was like my first playing of Floyd. I remember it clearly. I was like 17 or 18 years old, but it was pretty cool. Cool experience that just have a keyboard, you know, just 
on, off the blue, off the cuff, just come out and start playing that, and then we were able to jam for a little bit. So it was pretty. That cool riff song. almost That's reminds me of that, like the John Carpenter soundtrack, that keyboard part, mm-hmm. that the kind of mm-hmm. eerie, creepy, ominous, yeah, yeah. early eighties feel. Yeah, is that pig lead in the middle? Is that it? That's what I call it a pig lead. Is, is that that's the the Vox, right? That's the the talk. I, I think I read that it was Alex. You said it was a, a a talk box. Yeah, I read that it was their Pink Floyd's first use of it. Actually, yeah, it uses a talk box on the guitar solo to mimic the sound of the pigs. Yes. Yeah. Before we move on to, I just got to say it. Yes, Roger, you're a pig too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I see where Johnny Rotten's coming from. Well, that's what that's another fest because I mean this is one of the uh, and it was funny in my in my readings of the uh, when the, uh, of the making of this record. I mean this is I mean there were I think a lot of blowouts between the band members, especially well, the others versus Roger. Where I think it was Rick Wright who like called who I think said like got in Roger's face and called him. You know you're you're writing all this. You're you're like the biggest hypocrite on the planet. And I think that. Yeah, that was not a good day. I read day. that, too. Somebody yeah. was saying that. <laughs> I bet you if you try to take any of his 150 million pounds, he'd tell you to get your hands off of his Absolutely. It was interesting. I'll throw this in uh, quickly. Um, it was interesting because, again, there's a lot of, yeah, the, during this period of time, yeah, Roger was uh, was getting divorced and ultimately moving on to another relationship. And uh, there was a focus on, yeah, that his first wife was very much kind of a staunch kind of like socialist, uh, uh, like Labor Party kind of uh, mm-hmm. uh, embracer. And uh, and that's where he had always firmly kind of set up until this point. And I guess, yeah, his new girlfriend, fiance or whatever you want to call her, uh, she was an aristocrat from a very wealthy family who was like, kind of like a socialite. And a lot of people said that it, w- it was her that kind of really pushed Roger into kind of embracing the like that lifestyle of yeah mm-hmm. kind of the nouveau riche or whatever well, you want to call it. That doesn't mean he could go around spitting in, at the audience, right? No, I know. I mean, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I mean, yeah, you could see Roger, Mr. He, Elite. He's making the 150 million or whatever, and, and yeah, these he, people well, are yeah, that, paying that, that, hard that, that, bucks. Wasn't that 79? Was that like this tour? No, in the flesh tour. Yeah, that was the animals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the great, yeah, a lot of people still call him out for that. I'm sure even the, the remaining band members, yeah, I mean, he was uh, kind of living kind of a contradictory existence. Yeah. yeah. Or he was right. He was, mean, he was militantly speaking out against it, sorry. but uh, against all these like big way, but, at, but you're right at this point, he was that, and it's not like he was giving it all away either. <laughs> and, and even if he's going to yeah. talk about social values, I mean, you're one of the biggest, I mean, you just put out one of the biggest selling albums of all time. I mean, what does that say about you and your position in setting the social values? Like it just, it, it's, t- that's, it's, that's where I'm getting to the friction that we're talking about here. Just yeah. outside of animal farm at all. It's just, it, it gets to be grading. And I'm just so thankful that David and Richard really brought their a games and even Nick to give him some credit for putting some interesting drum fill and drum work in there because the right. music is just so good. And, you know, it, it even isn't really about, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure Dave shares similar, uh, positions politically but when david puts out a solo record it just doesn't have that feel that roger does like it just doesn't have that like the edge to it oh, come on like yeah i mean just like yeah. david's just you know he, he he can bring interesting music to the table and it just doesn't come across you know that the way that the final cut will uh when we get there so yeah. <laughs> well we're gonna have some interesting uh i wonder what i should cut from that no i'm kidding i'll leave it all in <laughs> 
<laughs> no kiss talk and no politics. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's let's move on to our last meaty song of the album. Uh, that would be Sheep. That chord okay, sequence I'm gonna, is so unique. I, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna hug the mic a little bit here. So yeah. hunker down. I'm about to uh, yeah. play some music here from this because I, you know, I don't know who was involved primarily in the writing of this, but I'm gonna give a lot of the credit. In my opinion, this is not a show of facts. This is a show of opinions, and it is my opinion that most of this was contributed by Richard Wright because this is a cinematic masterpiece, and I feel like that's more his style. Um, it's it just the opening of the song, Chris. I know that you tore down. Any color you like is intermission music. It was one of the best takedowns of this show. <laughs> the opening of this song is intermission music. I mean, don't you have the lights come up? Yeah. And then, you know, the yeah. stage is changing. But you know what? It's really good here. Yeah, it's funky. I love it. Yeah. Like it's it's so cool. Like it it really is. Like the first minute of this song just feels like, especially at the end of Sheep, which is as Dad said, it's just the same bleeding. Or right. pig, sorry, uh, the same bleeding beat the whole time, and now you've kind of got this transitional groove where it really yeah. feels like the lights have come up a little bit, but it just fits perfectly. Mm-hmm. That so sounds, that's the opener. That yes. sounds so Doorsy to me, like the Doors, yeah. like Riders on the mm-hmm. Storm. That's yeah, so the Rolls, Doors keyboards, yeah, Rhodes, right. yeah, yeah. And then when well, you start getting into the battle here, I mean, it's pretty obvious. This kind of battle scene, mm-hmm. um, you really feel it, especially in 210. 244, you have these attack strikes that I just love. I mean, it's so punchy. It just feels like it's punching out. Like, it really is just so alliterative to, um, you know, what they're trying to paint here. Um, 437, camera soaring over the destroyed battlefield. Let me cue that up, see if you see that. I mean, I just see just this this slow I, overhead shot of just the, I, you know dead uh, uh, dogs, whatever, um, over the battlefield. It's yeah, so I, evocative. You know, it's funny. There was another point. I actually had it written in here uh, as far as uh, representing the decay of the aftermath. Uh, yeah, Kevin, at seven twenty. I'm, you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> oh, you got Mark still you got the, the mic here. Five oh seven. Celebration. <laughs> Four, and I mean, this is just 20 minutes apart here. Uh, 5.33. This is what is such a strong visual for me. The remaining dogs and pigs plot their survival deep down in the bunker. I mean, don't you see it? I, don't, I mean, 
Commander, the yeah. Russians are, are, are approaching fast. What shall we do? I mean, it's just got that, like, deep down, like, what are, what's going to happen? You're like, I'm trying to figure it. And then 611 here. I mean, this song is so cinematic. Right here. Hear that? That oh, organ? The synth, synth right. Red going on alert. Here. Like, I red see. Alert, yeah. Like, yeah. what is it with that 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 bunker bulb? You know, that red bulb <laughs> yeah. in the cage? Absolutely. <laughs> it's flashing, like, yeah. <laughs> like, they're coming. <laughs> totally, the sheep are coming. I totally and, see and, and that. Then, yeah, and then 628. Yeah, they, I, I didn't pick out exactly. I heard, like, um, it's like, it sounds like some kind of prayer. I mean, it almost sounds like a, a, a eulogy. It is. Like, a, like a, a, inevitable. Like, it's, it's your destruction. It's reworded, inevitable. but it is it is from liturgy. Mm-hmm. 651, uh, the, <laughs> right here. There's a key change. I love that. Anyway, 704. I mean, I mean, this is the way it comes back into the, like, it almost just has that, like, it, it, it had that interlude. Like, it was, what, 437 from that dying battlefield. We went back down in the bunker, or the pigs were, or the dogs were, you know, stuck down there. You hear the sheep bleeding in the background, and 710 takes us right back to the story. It yeah. is just a brilliant piece of cinematic music. Yeah, it's for- and even, I'm just, just, just give me one more minute. <laughs> right, yeah. 805, 805, the celebration. <laughs> The victory music. I mean, that it sounds totally like Genesis. The but tones on yeah, this song are so notes. good. Yeah. Dogs can you are dead. Yeah. I mean, yeah, can you believe it? Like, that they crammed all of those ideas, and we're only at 816. And a minute of this was just interlude music. Right. Like, just the intro. Like, it's incredible, the the journey that they take you on, and only, like, what we're seven minutes in here, so... You guys take it away. I agree with you. I, I have the same notes. I mean, I, I said uh, some very interesting interludes, just, just amazing. Um, I, th- this again is a little like a yes tune, mm-hmm. um, the way it's broken up and the different movements involved it's cinematic, as, as you mentioned. Um, but if you listen closely to everything that's going on with a verse or with one instrument or another, there's a lot of like call response going on. Mm-hmm. You know, one instrument's responding to the end of the verse or the end of the chorus line every single time. And, it, and it's different every single time. It, it's, it's fascinating how they did this. I, I couldn't track how many times they did something different here. Um, what's interesting about this beginning though, is it, it reminds me of, we had just picked up a, a new keyboard. It was an Oberheim keyboard, and I think it was '86. You know, nine years after this particular uh, record, and it had a Rhodes program or preset in it. And we'd be at band, and you know, the other guitarist was always tuning up, so we had a lot of time to kill between songs. And uh, we we put on this Rhodes uh, preset, and we just start doing some Pink Floyd while he's tuning in the background. And it, was, it was just like it was just like he was. Exactly like what's on the record. It was really that's cool neat. sound. Um, but yeah, that, that's all I got got to say about this one. Is it, it's just like the interludes are amazing. The right. the organs and effects are amazing. The the call response is just mind boggling to me. It, it's a great tune. Yeah, I wanted to point mm-hmm. out uh, one as far as like when uh, Rick and Dave lock in together. I mean, you can get some really cool moments uh, at two twenty five. Uh, I love the. Uh, yeah, the organ and guitar playing uh, harmony here is just really cool. You know, 
no note on that section. I did notate that section too. Um, it almost sounds like Joe Strummer singing. Oh, I never thought about that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Be like, is, got a yeah, new wave punkish. I'm definitely hearing like a bit of a different voice there. Yeah. Or what? What's the what's the line? There's like one line where he says it. Maybe maybe I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it later when when I actually find out what the lyric is. So let me jump ahead here. But yeah. This song rocks. I, I love this song. And the tones. I, Mike, you mentioned that you were a big fan of the... I think you mentioned that you liked the drum sound on this record. Am I wrong in that? Uh, that was actually probably Dogs. The drums mix I thought was phenomenal on that. You like? I, I just love the drum sound on this song. It's just something about that 70s dry kind of carpety drum sound. And a lot of those tom fills, you hear it really well here. You know, the really bitey guitar tones. And, of course, the signature, you know, single note bass line that's going with a little bit of that delay that you hear in, what, one of these days uh, it, where it was kind of famous, where it was first, you know, shown on tape there. And I love that they bring it back here. Yeah. Um, so. A couple of things that when you were talking about callbacks, Dad, and uh, different call and response, did anybody notice the callback to dogs? With David Stone, that repeats very faintly in the background. Yeah, yeah. I liked that. Oh, we're doing Stone. Yes, yes. Stone. You can, you oh, can man, hear yeah, it yeah, a little yeah. bit in this song. and With those keyboards going in the background? Yeah, wow. and I, I just appreciate that. If you're going to do a concept, you might as well go all out on it. <laughs> Why do it half-baked with that? But right. my favorite part of, of this song, which is one of my Stocks on the Rise songs, um, is that transition from Roger's sung note in the verse to the keyboard. Yeah. That is just one of the best things that I've heard them do. I don't know why it's just, it's simple, but it's so well executed. It's one of those things that's just an A plus for execution. It could have gone so poorly. It merges so seamlessly and just right into that abrasive synth that, that just builds. And then it just, you could feel the tension in that. And that was one of the first things I noticed on on this listen recently is and it just piqued this, my ear to it. This song is truly Sisyphus, but with all band members participating. <laughs> <laughs> I know nobody liked that but me. But like really that's what you heard at the beginning of that. I mean, it just the, the 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 coherency of it. One thing that I will push back on a little bit is the level of energy on this song. Like for Pink Floyd, it's a high level of energy. But this song, like, it kept reminding me of something, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And then I finally, and thanks to, you know, in 2021, I could pull up any song on my phone in seconds and and dial up a specific part. And I couldn't unhear this after I heard it. So if you're listening to, um, you know, if you're listening to, uh, um, you know, this song, and there's definitely, you know, a lot of, uh, um, you know, high energy. You got this part here. So, you know, that's 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 pretty good. Um, but then, you know, when you can listen to this. I mean, it just, it doesn't compare. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just, like, I, I, like I was listening to this, like, ah, good energy, good energy. But what does this remind me of? And then I fired up peace of mind. And I just like, ah. Oh. Like, yeah, yeah this, I know. This, like, you can't really compare Pink Floyd and Iron Maiden. Like, yeah, one is a what, very high energy band, earlier. and the other one's a very... Yeah. 
creative band, but um, like it's just hard. Like, you just imagine Aren't an Iron Maiden. Words with, sleepy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but an Iron Maiden with Pink Floyd creativity, like, would just be amazing. Or like, a, like between those two bands, or something for me there. Hmm. Well, somebody mm-hmm. get on that, <laughs> and then we'll do your yeah, we'll I'll do your discography it. once you reach ten albums. <laughs> yeah, um, it's time, I think, to close out. With another acoustic ditty courtesy of Roger Waters, this is Pigs on the Wing, Part 2. You know that I care What happens to you And I know that you care For me too So I don't feel alone On the way to the stone Now that I've found somewhere safe To bury my bones yeah, this is um, definitely the uh, the least ambiguous of the two. I mean, it kind of it kind of says it all there. I mean, as far as Roger talking about, yeah, his yeah, very clearly yeah, his relationship with this new person. Um, this is probably the one I would keep. I mean, if I had to choose, uh, uh, maybe just from <laughs> don't my, spoil it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe you guys will change my mind uh, in the next uh, five minutes. Uh, if oh, I can get through yeah. this. I think I got to turn but, that uh, into a tea. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you could. I will say. I mean, after all of the kind of the yeah, just the intensity of the last three songs, you kind of here you're kind of finding peace amongst all the madness that hasn't uh, just transpired. And yeah. I don't know. It helps kind of bring you down. I like how it's like you know, mm-hmm. even with all this all these problems, personal problems I have with the world. Yeah. It's like, there is, there are certain things, I guess, in his mind to be grateful for. And that's for, yeah, his, yeah. For this person that he's, uh, funny enough, I'm not sure if they're still together, but, (laughs) but at the time, at least, yeah, you know, rock stars. I hate to say it, but this kind of reminds me of the grand vizier's garden party, part one and three, (laughs) where it's kind of like the same song. Only slightly different, and I and I know what we did to that song. Uh, tore it apart to shreds um, and left nothing, nothing left. But, um, was that a, was that was that, well, was that a carpet bomber? Sorry about your wife. That was that, that one. Might, yeah, the problem with yeah the problem with that one though is that I mean there was no context for anything. I mean those four you had four parts. Those were just the four individual band members just doing their own thing. Yeah, without yeah. kind of okay. any Here's real. My, yeah. Here's where really the the problem that I have with this concept is so yeah. present. And, you know, it's just maybe just from being my personal opinion, just being such a fan of the book Animal Farm. Um, here's how this song ends. And any fool knows a dog needs a home, a shelter from pigs on the wing. So, you know, it makes sense. And I get what Roger, like if you, if you open the album like this, you had to close it. So you know, like it, they, they go together. Um, but let me read the an, uh, ending of Animal Farm. Twelve voices shouting in anger. They were all like, no question now what had happened to the faces of the pigs. The creatures outside looked from pig to man and from man to pig and from pig to man again. But it was impossible to say which is which. 
And, you know, if you're going to borrow such a strong piece of literature and if you're going to, like, inject your own concepts into it and, you know, forcibly jam your ideology into it and, and, and put it together on an album that you know is going to sell, like, you know, the, 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 the darkness of Animal Farm, the hopelessness of it is so, it's what makes me like it so much. And if, Roger, if you're going to put this, like, little beacon of hope at the end of it, if you're going to talk about, like, yeah, all that stuff I talked about, I, at the end I just go home to my, my wife and it's, it's, it's good. You know, that's where I can really see that, that like, you know, you know, uh, you know, Sid Vicious wasn't going home to his comfortable life. Johnny Rotten was like, I can really <laughs> see that. Like, oh, give me a Maybe break. that's, yeah. You know, come on. Really, like, I, I, I mean, just think about how, how, I mean, it's, it's not Animal Farm, it's 1984, but that quote, it's, it's my favorite George Orwell quote, just, what does the future look like? Picture a boot stamping on the human face forever. <laughs> we're, we're getting <laughs> like, And then Roger's going to be like, ah, well, you know what, Man, I go back to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's so annoying to me. Like, it, it's I actually just, kind of... Because I like that book so much. I kind of know where Mark's t- coming from here, because Roger just spent the last, what, 17, 12, 11 minutes talking about how society is terrible, but maybe he's part of the problem because every all of us just go back to our comfortable lives and hey, everything's not so bad. And then he's right. going to rag you know, on I'm us. I'm sure he would say, well, well, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> but like, then, then live it, Roger. Like, you know, give me a break. Yeah, that's I mean, what, it, that's it's, what it's, it is. Yeah, this this was the period. And again, this was emphasized in a couple of the articles I read yeah, that he was torn between two. Yeah, where he where he came from and where he was at. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, I don't think he kind of dealt with it as well as a lot of other people. But again, he didn't. Like I said earlier, he didn't cast it away. Like oh, I'm going to donate the hundred million dollars. I mean, I'm just going to you know, I'm going to go back to where I was. No, he didn't. So he yeah, he doesn't have to do that because David doesn't have to do that. It just doesn't have to be so. Like if you're going to borrow Animal Farm. Yeah. And like, first of all, like, yeah. it isn't about sheep versus dogs and pigs. Like, it isn't. Like, that's not what the book. That doesn't yeah. make any sense to me after like knowing the book. Um, you know, like, I don't remember the part where the sheep kill the dogs. Like, that's not, it's about all the creatures of the farm being manipulated by the, the pigs who use the dogs as their secret service and the, the sheep right. to basically bleed out any opposition. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Like, I, just stay away from the concept and I probably you know, would have been okay with it. You know, it's funny that you pointed that out when I was reading up on just, uh, on the, uh, on, on the concept itself. That was one thing that I was kind of confused reading kind of some of the excerpts from Animal Farm and trying to tie it. And that was one thing as far as with the dogs, cause you, like you said, I, you said an Animal Farm, the dogs were like the muscle, right? Wasn't that what the... Yeah. Kind of like it, the Secret Service yeah, but, or but, the military. But, yeah. The, yeah, but but, but, but here, it, but here it, that's, it wasn't really that. It, again, it was just talking about, yeah, again, just kind of corporate uh, shillery or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So, well, like it's, I it's, said it's, before. That's <laughs> ideology over it. It's just, it's just don't like, take from Animal Farm. Like, come up with I was going to say, yeah, say yeah. Dad or Alex, you want to ground us back in music? Or <laughs> like I said before. I'm just saying that because there's nothing musically interesting Who cares what Roger thinks? Yeah, I guess I would say, uh, I mean, I guess I kind of alluded to it maybe in my when we were talking about track one and and how it was kind of the outlier of really the main focus of the album, which are the main three songs. And, you know, by and large, these aren't my favorite songs on the album. I mean, they're I guess I would say they're inoffensive musically. Uh, You know, they're catchy. They get stuck in your head, but they're not really what the album is about. And I guess, if anything, I would appreciate it here a little bit where you come out of this really dark subject matter. And if anything, you kind of tack this in at the end and have a little bit of hope, you know, as the record ends. So, I mean, I guess I enjoy it a little bit more here at the end than opening the album with this. 
but it's almost like, yeah, you're really targeting this really deep stuff. And then you're coming in, you're singing a song about, you know, your recent love affair. It's like, why was that there really? An animal farm leaves you with no hope. That's kind of the point of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just you know, there's the, a cycle of uh, impossibility. This particular song though. I mean, they bookended it and which I think was the coolest part of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if everybody knows you. Obviously, you can't do this when you flip sides on a record, but how the tracks go from one into the other, there's not not really a break. There's not that two-second two break. So you can you can tell it's the concept. So I love the way they bookended it. The song and the words, eh, not so much. But the uh, uh, just, the, again, it's, it's the kind of a general idea. Yeah. Of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. I just wanted a Pink Floyd's uh, album to end with picture a boot stamping on a human face forever. <laughs> That's what I wanted. I wanted to really, really, if they were going to go dark, don't give me this wuss stuff about you and your second wife. Like, I want to do boot stamping on human faces. Pure totalitarianism. That's where we're headed. Come on, oh, it was 77. <laughs> Oh, okay. I mean, I heard Roger talking about how terrible his 70s were. Like, uh, he was talking about how terrible uh, the 70s were. Like, yeah, well, not for you. I mean, they're pretty good to you and your your posse. Like, you know, everybody you knew was doing pretty well. So, you know, I just, I just don't buy it from him. I, I see why they were putting I Hate Pink Floyd shirts on. But I love this album. I love this music. So that's why it's so good you know, to me. Because you know, it's, it's not that part that I don't like. But it's a essential it's, part of it. It's funny. One point I wanted to make again. Because, again, I was just fascinated by even more so, yeah, just the history of the making of this record. Uh, when, when they were doing the tour, because, like, Roger, I think, was just a miserable person. To, I mean, they, they quoted Dave, and they, they said you can barely stand to be around him because he was just so, like, I just... Yeah, but it was funny. So I guess there was a point where they wanted to, like... To, I think where he wanted to just, just pull the tour, but they still had, uh, like, I don't know how many more dates to go. And, uh, yeah, he was... Compl- I guess Roger was complaining to one of the roadies or, or, his, or their tour manager or whatever... And it's like, oh god, this was terrible. Like, what if we have to keep doing this? Well, Roger, yeah, for this last show, we just we made three million dollars or four million dollars on one <laughs> show. Yeah, so maybe wow. to his credit, he didn't. You know, I don't know. That just comes across as like Paul Stanley whining. No, it's funny, but yeah, it's like uh, no, <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's, it's, no kiss talk. I'm gonna have to beep yeah, that out. I'm gonna have to beep that out. Don't do that. <laughs> anyway, I think so, yeah, that I was, think it's uh, time yeah. for seven for the bye. If everybody else is. It is. <laughs> Okay. Does everybody have their horn and ketchup dispenser? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> there we go. Uh, it sounds so weird through headphones. Yeah, everybody's just going to wait for him to respond. Yeah, just to hear it. Yeah. All right, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Okay. Question number one. We got a uh, multiple choice here. Um, Sheep uh, was a reworking of a song that was written during the Wish You Were Here tour days. What was the name of that song? Uh, was it A, You've Got to Be Crazy, B, Raving and Drooling, C stuck in reverse or D none of the above. Oh, oh yeah, I got that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Ra- Nadolski, what uh, what do you got? And drooling. You are correct. Ooh, nice. Ding ding ding. Okay, got to resurrect the ding ding ding. Yeah. <laughs> are the, the guests going to school us on the trivia again? <laughs> yeah, they are, aren't they? <laughs> Nothing like the guests coming on just knowing way more than the host. Why well, hey, I audience knows way more book, than the host. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, you do, do have for? that Pink Floyd book, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Okay, uh, question number two, another, um, uh, another multiple choice. Uh, which of these is not a major theme of the record? Um, was it A, uh, sexual oppression, B, political stagnation, C, material greed, or D, a world of haves and have-nots? 
Yes, Alex. I'm going to go with A on that one. Uh, that's incorrect, actually. <laughs> oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, three pigs. One of three, the pigs. Yeah, and three pigs. Yeah, they're uh, speaking about that uh, yeah, that woman that Roger had problems with. I guess there was a problem with her speaking out against, yeah, as far as, ah. I don't know if it was sexual liberation in the media or whatever, or in uh, popular en- entertainment. Ooh. So, uh, so yeah, all right. Uh, so Alex Are is out, Are we doing right? uh, two bomb outs, though? Uh, yeah, we can do that. How did we do so, that last we time? We did? Yeah, because we have an, an extra get. Yeah. Oh. All right. First person to bomb out twice is forced to terminate two or something. Uh, cr- yes, I think that was correct. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Alex, yeah we're gonna make- got one foot on the. Alex doesn't here. have to bomb out twice, though. <laughs> so. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's too complicated. Songs. Yeah, Let's just five do it songs. The way it is. Come on. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, question number three: uh, True or false? Uh, according to Roger Waters, and then I had in parentheses, reflecting on the previous question in relation to the explored themes on the record, due in part to his mother's involvement in the British Labour Party and his strong socialist leanings, he struggled to justify the enormous wealth he had recently amassed. Uh, I think that was Mark. Well, I'm, I know it's true. I just don't know if there's something tricky in there about his mother. <laughs> and I'm going to say, so I'm going to probably go with false and say it was his wife, the aristocrat. No, unfortunately not. You should have stuck with your. <laughs> he's throwing me in circles. You brought up the point about the wife. And I, I was like, love oh, maybe Chris's he's got a question questions about that. are the best. Stupid Mrs. Waters. <laughs> Again, I, I love was, his love. I don't care about Mrs. Waters. Waters. I was, I was reading a little more trivia about their moms. I've been, I've been reading a lot the last two days, and yeah, that was one thing that kind of I thought was interesting. Yeah, because I again, because yeah, his wife was that. I, I guess it, it started with his mother, like in, in, with his upbringing. Uh, I yeah, want to know it. what goes through Chris's mind when he's sitting at work drafting up these questions. Like, I'm going to get him with this one. He just kind of grinning, grinning at his desk. I hear a hashtag, we don't care about your moms to open up the show. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a Chris thing. It's, nobody else brought Mrs. right into the conversation. <laughs> Okay, all right. Uh, question number four, uh, true or false? Uh, Rick Wright's nasty divorce at the time was one of the main contributors for his uh, inability to contribute to most of the record. Oh, boy. Ooh, okay, Dan. Yes. <laughs> false. Uh, that was true, actually. Yeah, that, oh. uh, yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, no. I'm the only one standing and I haven't answered a question. Gotta I got to get right. one right. And then I don't even know what all to right. do. <laughs> Okay, uh, next question. Um, all right. Uh, all right, here we go. Okay, uh, true or false? Uh, when David Gilmore took uh, over control in uh, the mid-'80s, he resurrected a couple of the songs from Animals because of how much of a reaction it got from the fans. True or false? Oh, man, do I have no clue. <laughs> Dad, you're out. <laughs> Yeah, we're doing two bomb outs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he so yeah. So you got you get one more. What was the uh, question again? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with false. He did not resurrect the songs. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, oh, we were. Go- oh, OK. I thought your dad was answering or was he? Too late dad now. didn't know the question. Okay. I jumped in. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, you are correct, Mr. Kevin. Uh, yeah, felt the songs were too personal at this point in his life to reintroduce them. Yeah. All right. Uh, just a lot of bad history. Explain why they had the pig then. 
Uh, Good marketing. I think that was just such an iconic. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, because people wanted to see the pig, yeah, the pig. and they yeah. showed up for the pig. And if there's gonna be no pig, then I don't want to see any. Pig <laughs> you know, we didn't see any pig at the UC. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna call the David Gilmore campaign and ask right. for a, a, a kickback on that I, because I wanted to see I like a pig. Re- I like, like lasers. I'd like a refund years later. Right? Yeah, you know, it's funny. What, five years ago. Not to go off topic, but as far as uh, I, I just remembered, yeah, during the uh, yeah that uh, the animals tour, uh, as far as adding to Roger's anger. Uh, I guess yeah, there were. Um, I guess it happened through multiple shows where audience members would roll fireworks up to the front of the stage, like M80s and stuff like that. Yeah. And he would <laughs> constantly, but it, it never, because I mean, everybody was high in the audience. I mean, yeah, there was no way he was going to get through to 80,000 people. But, everybody. It, but, I'm sure there was but it was funny, but, yeah, but the people said who worked with the band said he would see Roger yeah, screaming he, at people like in the front area. Like, would you stop or I'm going to effing, you know, yeah. But I don't know. I, anyway, that was off topic, just but I just thought it was funny. <laughs> anyway, all right. Do uh, I win? Uh, all right. So does this mean that I don't have to terminate something? Yeah, I guess we can do that with the five. Wait, okay. wait, hold on a second. Wait, did, does he have to answer three questions or what? Because he only answered. Everybody else bombed. He can get the win. Everyone else bombed. Oh, I thought. Out, okay, so. so we're so we're not doing the two uh, bomb outs, correct? No, we'll just keep it as is, and Kevin can choose because it's only gotcha. a five song. He can choose whether or not he wants gotcha. to buy okay. two okay. or not terminate one. Okay. And Chris, to remind you, you also have an extra buy by default because you ask the questions, and your the opportunities to use this is animals, the wall, and the final cut. Uh, I think. Oh man, <laughs> no, this is this is tough. <laughs> uh, Might want to terminate two on the final <laughs> cut. You think about it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I think I I think I'll uh, have an extra buy, but I think I'll wait to use it on uh, on the wall. Okay, got yeah, a lot to pick from. A lot of tracks there. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff to pick from this. Yeah. yeah. All right, love it or flush it. Take it away, Alex. All right. Well, tonight's order is going to be where are we at here? It's going to be myself, Kevin, uh, Mike, Chris, and Mark. So let's start off with track one: Pigs on the Wing, Part One. Uh, you know, originally I wasn't going to do this, uh, but after further review, uh, I think I'm actually going to give this one a T. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it's, it's not that it's a bad song. Uh, you know, like I said, I'll back it up musically. I'd like it, but I guess if I'm thinking about the overall concept of the record, and maybe kind of tricking people into this. You know, I appreciate the book ending, but you know, we only got five songs to choose from, and you know, the the middle of the pack here uh, is the strongest part. So I, I'm going to give it a T here. So, Kev, what do you think? Um, I've decided going into this that I'm going to be unconventional. I could be really boring with this entire love it or flush it and do the predictable, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give this one a love. Okay. All right, and Mike, what do you think? Yeah, well, what are my options again? So <laughs> we get uh, we get flush, we get terminate, we get buy, we get love. What That's else? It. That's it. It's uh oh. Okay, well, I'm gonna flush this one. <laughs> I like the song, but I don't. With five songs, I don't have much choice. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Chris, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I'm gonna reluctantly uh, flush this one. I think it's just kind of the more, <laughs> kind of the weaker. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's, I think it's the more, the more the deeper of the two. But it's just uh, for 
just a normal mu music listener's sake. Yeah, it's it just didn't uh, I, c I couldn't connect with it as much. All right, and Mark, wrap it up. Uh, I'm also going to give it the handle. Um, you know, it's a it's a piece that it's just a confusing spot. I mean, I get the reason why, so I don't want to hear anything about not understanding the concept. Um, <laughs> But like it, like it could go at the beginning of Dogs and just be a part of Dogs, or they could have split Dogs into three songs and taken more of the um, uh, uh, Dark Side of the Moon approach, or they could have even done something like, you know, Iron Maiden and Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, where it's like half concept songs and half just you know songs that we wanted to write. So if you want to write about your wife, that's cool. Just like let's make it a ten song album, and then we'll just kind of have the concept go throughout. So right. um, with that, this one either is just like either a part could have been a part of Dogs, and then I don't know what I would do because uh, well, it's tough on such a short album. But this one gets the flush. All right. Cool. All right, well, let's move it on over to track two, Dogs. This one, I'm going to give it a very strong love. Uh, extremely impressed with how much they were able to pack into 17 minutes. Uh, you know, love the prog aspects, love the, you know, interesting chord choices, great tones. So, yeah, gets the strong love for me. Kev, what do you think? Uh, I'm going <clears> to <throat> elect to use my two buys instead of foregoing the terminate, and I'm going to give this one a buy. I think it's one of the one of their premier songs in their catalog, one of their most impressive songs that they've done. Absolutely. All right. And Mike, what do you think about dogs? Drag down by the stone. Bye. There you go. Nice. <laughs> Very good. All right, Chris. All right. Um, I'm going to use my rubber glove uh, to pull up uh, uh, the uh, the first song so I can terminate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, no! Yeah. We have a return of the yeah. Mudmen. Give it the T. Chris is rubbing gloves. Return of the Mudmen. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Mike probably doesn't get that reference, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is so. Yeah, with five songs, like flush dogs. <laughs> I don't. God, I, I, I might, I might have to. Yeah, this is the song that is as cool as it is. I mean, it has a lot of really great parts, but yeah, it's just the production really bugged me on this song. It doesn't have them. Uh, kind of that uh, muscle of like the rest of the songs on here, so I'm massively reluctantly gonna flush dogs. Uh, Last time you're playing any one of my guitars. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to hear any dogs played on it either. If you, if you gotta pick up your guitar, start playing dogs. Like, Chris, you only Chris, you only get one rubber glove, and you used it. You sure you don't want to use it on this one? <laughs> no. Yeah, He's yeah. sticking to his guns. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, like, I think these are Mark's rules. I mean, if I had anything, I would have, I would have bumped out everything. That's the problem with the rules. Yeah. I don't like work it in either. your favor. <laughs> yeah, it's, All right, all right well, well, let's... I will, let, yeah, Mark, yeah. what do you think on this one? Uh, I'll give it uh, a love. Um, not too enthusiastic, just based on the length of it, and I feel like it could have shortened up a little bit, or they could have just fleshed it out a little bit more into its separate songs. So kind of sits in that weird area of 18 minutes on one side of a, of a vinyl, which is... Uh, a bit, you know, I don't know. I feel like you could get a little bit more music for your money, but they had the concept they wanted to execute it and they had the limitations of the medium at the time. Uh, I will say that this song is probably inclusive of some of the most, um, you know, I, I get why it was bought because there'd be something that you would say, like, I want to show somebody Pink Floyd. Sure. There's a lot of parts of the song that you say, like, listen at this part because that is Pink Floyd. And, you know, I, it's my best ability to give you that and hope you like it because there's just a lot of iconic Pink Floyd here. And Chris, yeah. flush <laughs> Well, no, I, I, I agree too. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm not trying to backpedal, but 
I guess if you were to compare this to the other really long pieces like an Echoes or an Adam Hart Mother, this is probably my favorite one out of all these. So yeah, I'll just back up saying I totally get why anybody would buy this. I mean, at first I'm like, this might be the buy, but then I listen a little further and I'm like, all right, there might be some other stuff here. All so. right. I guess that'll bring us over to track three, uh, Pigs, three different ones. You know, originally I thought maybe this was going to be the buy, but I don't know now. I think I'm just going to still give it a very strong love. Uh, I, I, I dig the use of the talk box and Roger, well, and I, I guess I learned now that it was David's bass playing, but uh, very, very impressed by the bass playing on this song, so... Big strong love, Kev. Yeah, unfortunately, I think our discussion um, and Dad's point and Mark's click and skip uh, made me turn this and uh, pull the handle. It's uh, there are some Yikes. great parts. <laughs> there are some great parts, but when uh, Dad's—it's kind of a combination. Dad said it's kind of the same groove all the way through, and Mark kept skipping through, and it was. And then when Mark started talking about how much happened in Sheep in the little amount of time, well, why didn't more happen in Pigs, three different ones? So <laughs> there you go. That's fair. Mike, what do you think about Pigs? Yeah, well, like Kevin reiterated, it was, uh, for me, kind of dragged on a little bit. Uh, uh, nevertheless, I'm, I'm going to give it... Uh, uh, a little love, uh, so it's still a good tune, but just just not of the three major ones. It was probably my least favorite. A light squeeze. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. A light squeeze. A light squeeze. I hate it. <laughs> there it is. All right, Chris, what do you think? Uh, big love for me. I just yeah, I love the guitar solo. I love how uh, Roger inflects uh, on the lyrics. I mean, it's just a really kind of yeah. It's almost, it almost has a really kind of witty sense of humor and i uh, and funny enough this is a song i actually do remember hearing years ago in a pink Floyd documentary so this was like the one song i do did know from the record uh and uh i always just liked the delivery so yeah big love for me nice and mark yeah chris you could have said it any better yeah. for same reasons also a big love yeah. cool all right let's move it on over to track four and thanks to mark he pushed it into a buy territory for me you know, I, that's I, I. It's a freaking rocker, but like you said, you they pack so much into you know the time that they have. Uh, a lot of great parts, very cinematic uh, and catchy to me. It's like the perfect blend of prog, great musicianship, by while still keeping it catchy. So, Kev? yeah, I, I will say that Mark's uh, soliloquy on on sheep to open up <laughs> our discussion. I took the mic and it was worth it. It worked. It was uh, worth it. It was, it was already my stocks on the rise, but especially with a second buy, I am going to use it on sheep. Well, Mike, what do you think about sheep? Well, who do I bribe to get another buy? Because uh, I'd love to buy this one, but I guess uh, I'll take twenty bucks. Uh, twenty bucks? Okay, yeah. I'll send you, I'll send you a check. A bit, big bit um, of Bitcoin. Yeah. I'm gonna love, love, love this one. If it, if it were, uh, if I got two buys, I would certainly go along with dogs, and it'd be dogs and sheep. Okay. Dogs nice. are dead. I like it, Chris. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a massive buy for me. Uh, just to reiter just to reiterate what Mark sa said, I mean, it's another musical cinematic journey, and it's just, I mean, the music, just everything, they hit their marks everywhere. Yeah, mm -hmm. and just, yeah, some of the dirt on here, too, is very unique. And I always like it, yeah, when you got uh, Rick and Dave kind of uh, taking turns, uh, yeah, it's always, it's always a good time. Yeah. Cool. 
I wonder where Mark's going on this one. Yeah, uh, I think I might. Um, yeah, I'm gonna buy. <laughs> <laughs> My twenty bucks. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I'll buy it twice. Uh, I don't know if it's quite a take out the loan to buy, put a second mortgage on the house to buy level, but I mean, there's just so much and so little time. Um, I almost feel like what if they balanced, uh, you know, a little bit of less dogs and a little bit more sheep, uh, how that would have turned out. But I mean, it is just a cinematic masterpiece. And I love the uh, opener. I know it's the lights come up and it is just like it's if for anyone who wanted to gripe about us flushing that or or hating on that song, like this is how it's done right here. Mm-hmm. Like Any color you like doesn't hold a candle to the opening of sheep and just the transition from pigs and just the way it it builds it's just got that i mean it's just so good like it's just such a, a great song uh definitely worth sharing with others so yeah all right. i agree all right let's move it on over to the final track of the album pigs on the wing part two uh i'm gonna give this one a flush but i will say it's <laughs> i i i think the reason why i'm gonna say that I, I like it more out of the two parts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think I like this idea being at the end of the album more than starting off the album. So it's more of a placement issue, but <laughs> yeah, I'd rather kind of wrap the album out with a little bit of, you know, drifting off into the sunset with a little bit of positivity, uh, you know, versus starting off the album and then kind of tricking people. So that's why I'll, I'll, I'll still give it the flush, but it's the best of the two. So, Kev? Uh, I'm going to disagree with you because uh, I would have rather ended with Sheep. Um, if we're going to have, if we're, if we're forced to have an acoustic ditty on the album, it's going to be part one, and this one will get the T. Wow. Yeah, it's going to go either <laughs> way. All right. Mike, what do you think about this one? Ah, Kevin stole my thunder. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, the teas are going to be flying. Mark mentioned that Sheep could be an opener, and yes, it can be, but you know what? It can also be an ender. And uh, while, while Pigs on the Wing is cool, well, let's terminate it. All right, Chris? All right, looking at it strictly from... The context of the concept itself uh again i mean i'm not going to go back and listen to this these songs i mean these two little ditties for just uh, in my spare time but uh, i'm going to give it a light squeeze because i think it is an important kind of book ending for a very kind of unusually uh, negative record where it kind of and i just it's kind of fascinating just kind of looking looking into the window of uh, of rogers uh, i guess if you want us to quote uh uh, Rick Wright, yeah, his hypocrisy, <laughs> where he's complaining, and then it's like, and it's like, well, in action, other, it's it's like, it's okay, yeah, okay, yeah. He complains for however, what, thirty-five minutes, and then for about almost three minutes, yeah, it's all lovey dovey. Life is not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I just, okay. I, I, I just love, I, I just love the gall of it. I've got a hundred flicking the nose, and I'm gonna. I'm, 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 I'm going to believe. Yeah, so much for not being blue-blooded, huh? Right, yeah. Yeah. All right, Mark, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, hey, Roger. (laughs) It's getting personal on the Light the Sky podcast tonight. (laughs) I don't like the way you took my concept of, or the concept of one of my favorite books and then just gave it some hope because the whole point of that book and his writing is so hopeless. Although I, I understand where you're coming from, so therefore I have to give you credit for it, which is why I give it a 10, because I do get it. I just don't like it, but it also makes it work. So 
Um, it's just so interesting when the downsides of an elm work in its favor. Obviously, that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> I, mean, I will say that uh, in some of the bad records we reviewed and talked about, um, it's hard to imagine some of the, the the poor parts of a record helping it. But I think that it, this is there's some kind of weird paradox for me. I don't know. I don't. I, 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 I find got, it hard to put into words other than ten. So yeah, I, I got it. That's where I, I stand. I gotta say, yeah, that's probably one of the most respectful criticisms. Yeah, that I've seen you. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's like you don't well, like yeah, it. Just it sucks, right? But you're, but you get, but you're very good. You're like you, re, you respect his take on whatever. But yeah, even if you don't agree with, uh, but you kind of, yeah, it's still, it's, it's, it's unique in its own way. Yeah, I, I would have been okay yeah. with it had I just not had such an attachment to Animal Farm. And I know this, this, this show is about trying to get away from, you know, where we did grow up with these attachments. I mean, Dad did, but we didn't have that. Uh, no, this wasn't of our time really, but, um, I, I don't know. It just, it, it, it's just, uh, it, it could have been, I don't know. I, I give it a 10, but it's a very confused 10. It's like, it's just, it's such a good record and it's something that I'll always listen to. So, yeah. and, and these parts, even if they're terminated and flushed, that they're still necessary and, and they should be there. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah. Let's get our 30 seconds. Um, what are the best 30 seconds? Oh, there's oh. so much musically to pick from oh, on wow. this record. I, I, I think, I don't know. I, Chris I sounds like Mike's, you're ready. Alex, you got something? I think Mike's, uh, your, your dad's contribution was uh, great. If, actually. If, if I, I don't know if I can really argue the with The ending that. of dogs, especially with that, those yeah, final chords. So, oh, so great, <laughs> Chris. You got, you got uh, yeah. I had at uh, yeah seven twenty. Just as far as uh, just representing. Oh, in a sheep. Sorry. Um, I again, it just kind of represents just the darkness of the record. I mean, I will give some credit to that excerpt because it really gets the blood going, and I like it music does. that gets the blood going. And I think it's, that in the a heading up a two-hour podcast, you should yeah. try to get the blood going. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's it, yeah, it's very dense it's and, a good kinda, and it goes for the gut. Yeah, that's what I like. And this is an album all about yeah, just kind of sticking it. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, it, it def- I guess I guess, I guess kind of going ba- uh, kind of going against what I had thrown out there. Uh, that I guess you could say there's a lot of elements of sheep that kind of do do pull from the past a little bit. Like it's got kind of that grittiness of kind of some of the harder songs. I wish you were here. Uh, but yeah, on dogs, yeah, that's you don't that's the, that tempo and format. You just very kind of very new album. for them. Yeah, this exactly. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and again, that's why when I I don't hate dogs. It's just I had to. It, 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 it was the one. It was the one I. It was the one I had to personally get as far as a couple of issues compared to the rest of the album. But yeah, yeah. but I do like it. it. We, we usually don't do this, but yeah. um, I mean, I just want to bring it up because I think this is one of the greatest album covers of all time. 
um, for me. I know Dark Side gets printed on the T-shirts and everyone supported Wish You Were Here, but there's just something about the imagery of this that is so um, haunting. I mean, it almost feels it's got a Chernobyl quality to it. Did you read about the story of this one? The Flyway Yeah, Pig broke off its cables. It flew over Heathrow Airport. Yeah, freaked out a pilot or something. <laughs> so it was just freaking people. Out. I, you imagine and, this this big floating pig coming over O'Hare, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they they hired a sniper to shoot it in case it yeah. flew away. Yeah. yeah. Or something. I mean, when you're telling the story in your album cover, <laughs> yeah, if you, it's yeah. so good. I, I don't know. Like, I, just the way that the the building is shaded too. It, yeah, it's like, great. It, how it's mostly in shadow, and it's just got that like really you know wintry twilight to it, where the sun is really low in the sky, so you get these long shadows and like just the 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 gritty feel of it. I think is just right. I, I, I would put. The, I think I don't know, Dad. What was it like for you when you got this? Right? Was it a cool album to show on your wall? Was it? Nah, a, you walk really. in the record store, you see that. I mean, I would be drawn. Again, you peel the wrap in, you get it on the turntable as fast you can when you get home, and then you then you open up the. And start reading yeah. the lyrics and stuff like that. But, you know, <clears throat> I, I found the story about it more fascinating, about how they actually used photographs. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted, Roger wanted the pig <coughs> right. in the photographs, but they couldn't do it. So they had to, uh, because the pig floated away. Right. And uh, so they had to go back to those older pics with the nice, nicer pics that ended up on the album. Right. Um, and they had to superimpose the pig uh, in between right. the, the stacks. Well, and I love how the pig is is in sunshine, yet mm-hmm. the the shadows, uh, uh, the plant is in shadow, and got the the smokestack pollution belching out, just like outside behind the pig. I think it's just very representative of what well, they were trying to go and, for. And I'll go one further. I was actually watching a video uh, on YouTube of sort of a, a guy has been doing like a you know behind the album to kind of better explain it like a like it's sort of an, an analysis of the album and he was really talking about the album cover and maybe he was looking into this too much uh, but he mentioned the four pillars and how there's four members of the band and how two of them are smoking and two of them are not so he was kind of maybe saying that the two that are smoking are Roger and Dave and the ones that are not are Nick and Rich, so I, I don't know. Nick's in the back there, just kind of right, <laughs> taking it all in, <laughs> watching his band kind of just duke it out. You know, it's funny when you guys have a chance um, in regards to the album cover. Uh, look, uh, read up on some of the uh, initial designs that Storm Thorgerson had uh, brought forward. Uh, one of them is a little. It wasn't too- another baboon's butt, was it? No, it was. It was in the same <laughs> vein. It's a little too blue for this show, but uh, yeah, look it up. And I think it was pretty much kind of squashed immediately. But if you have a chance, you go online and read up on the history of the of the of the album uh, cover or the choices for the album cover. Oh yeah. Of, oh you know, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking? I, I, yeah, yeah. I have I do. no idea. What I'm talking I, about. I do. He knows yeah. what I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Get this show an R rating. <laughs> but yeah, there, there was something that kind of. Smell the glove from Pink Floyd. <laughs> it, it, it pretty much is. Yeah. One. Uh, one bonus thing. Uh, yeah. I guess I'll say here. I don't know if any. I don't. Didn't know if this was going to be a trivia question or what. But Mike, you had mentioned Snowy White. Um, I didn't get a chance to listen to it, but I do know that there's a download out there that you could find. But I, I don't know if you guys came across this, but uh, Mike, you mentioned how they erased some guitar solos. And if yeah, you he listen, did the lead for it. Yeah, he, it's no, well, it, it's only on the eight track version. Right. So they left it off the vinyl version. And I, I was curious, did any of you guys go and listen to his solo just in prep at all? Or? I no. hadn't heard it. No. no, I didn't. But he he played it live when they did that song right. live. Snowy played that lead. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, I kind of want to go back and download the eight track rip of it and and listen because that's kind of like a bonus thing if you have. And of that. course, a, yeah, you could you could cool. certainly see why they needed another guitar player. Oh, with to go this, live. absolutely, sure. Yeah. Wow, I was thinking that listening to it, how would yeah. this even be with this album possible? too? Uh, I mean, you get the end of uh, Storm Thurgerson and uh, Rick Wright as official members of the band. It's the last one. Now, Storm Thurgerson obviously mm-hmm. not a member of the band, but he doesn't come back for Remember. a couple albums. Oh, but, really? And then okay. Rick, Rick was, was kicked out by the time we get the next album. So, yeah. I don't know if he would say that. He would just say that he left. That's yeah. yeah that's but what there's I heard quite too. a bit of controversy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, do we, are we changing our ratings anyway. on this one? I think I'm. Gonna, um, I don't think so. I think I'm going to boost mine a half point, eight point five. You guys kind of yeah, enlightened me a little bit. Uh, just in the discussion, I appreciate it a little bit more. So I got to give it a little bit more of a. Uh, got to boost it a little bit. Uh, yeah, eight point five. Yeah. I was at nine, so after Mark's eloquent description of sheep, um, <laughs> I, I bumped it up a half a point, so I'm at 9.5. But I got to ask, how do you follow up after Dark Side and Wish You Were Here and put this album out? People were, in some cases, freaking out. This is not Floyd. This is weird Floyd. You know, oh, you know they were they were not. It's great. Too, even, though it, <laughs> that, even though it hit number two in, in the UK and number three in the US, um, yeah. you know, people were like, wow, this is, this is yeah. not the Floyd we that, know that, and love. How, but how oh, do you follow up two albums? Oh, like, I mean, an album that, like, it's crazy. That's why, that's why I kind of mentioned it seemed almost a little out of place. And you're right. Like, how are they going to follow that up? But it almost seemed like this should have predated Dark Side, right. if anything, from a Sonic right. standpoint. Or, or it could have been, right. Or it could have been because of where Roger, I mean, was mentally. Maybe it could have been a response true, to those two true. records. I mean, a lot of bands have done that. I mean, where they have like the juggernaut. And then it's like, well, okay, now I'm going to, like, torpedo, yeah. But then this yeah, is te- but, te- know, technically this isn't, though. I mean, it's still an album that most people love. I mean, it's, yeah, but it's not it's not a pop record. I mean, in the right. same, it, like, the last two a, records. That is and a common Waters thing. Wrote, yeah. wrote, what, a majority of the songs here, except for, you know, sharing it with dogs. I mean, Gilmore on this is just phenomenal. I, I think it's some of right. his best work, even on Rogers' tunes, so to speak, you know? Right. So don't tell me that, that Dave didn't do some writing here. I mean, he certainly did some right. writing in his in his riffs, for sure. It's, it's, bass it's funny, this reminds... <laughs> right. Yeah, this, <laughs> and bass playing. This kind of reminds me of, uh, like, what Fleetwood Mac did after Rumors. I mean, you had Rumors, which was, again, their dark side, and then you had Tusk, which is a way out of left field double album, you know, with it... Uh, only sold a frag. I think it sold four million copies. Like Animals Dead. Yeah, I think that was compared to the f- fifteen and fifty million that the two previous. Uh, again, right. not bad records. It's just it was not what the fan base was expecting. But again, in, yeah. ret- in retrospect and looking back now, I mean, people can consider both of those Animals and Tusk uh, classic records. Yeah, that are that deserve. Well, the thing uh, about yeah, more that's such a common thing. Yeah, the yeah. darkness of it, and that's why my um, my point with the whole way it ends and begins just. Um, you know, I just wish it would like it would have been better if they would have fully I better. I gave it a 10, uh, but if they had fully 10. rejected <laughs> more authentic. Yeah, I would, yeah. would have said that like, OK, so we tasted fame and, you know, Roger said, you know what? I don't like it. And they could have done that after Obscured by Clouds because they never had it. So mm-hmm. it's almost like they, you know, I don't know, maybe that was the, the conflict of of now they had reached international superstardom. But, uh, um, you know, they had to put out animals. Well, the whole I don't know, thing it just feels like is that. Every every uh, subsequent album feels like it needs the previous album. Wish You Were Here and some of the critiques of the music industry on there wouldn't have happened without the huge fame of Dark Side. 
And this right. wouldn't have happened without mm-hmm. Darkseid and Wish You Were Here. And The Wall certainly wouldn't have happened without the Animals Tour. You know? And then the right. final... Well, Final Cut, who knows? <laughs> but, but. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you really see the domination. I wonder if uh, anyone's opinions on Roger are going to change. I mean, it just... I mean, you have to give him credit, though, because Sid apart from that little section I mentioned with those kind of where the borrowing those long form transitions. Yeah. Like they finally found their rudder again. And Roger was the one who steered them mm-hmm. where they needed to go, uh, at least to continue their career. So you, ha- you have to give them a lot of credit because, uh, you know, all of them really just for picking up the slack musically as well. Right. But like, you just, I just remember those albums. Remember, Remember more? Remember Amagama, where they were just waffling? Oh, we like it was just, yeah. You know. yeah, but you know, you, you mentioned now that they didn't have a taste of international fame, but I'm going I'm oh, to no. mention it again. You guys got to roll your eyes. Kevin knows what's coming. <laughs> there, there's one song you guys did not cover, and and that was not, not on any post. particular album, and it's it's yeah. on a little one it's a, called a 45, and it's called I don't even C- know what a 45 C- is. C. Emily Plays. And I know, I that, wanted... That I, put I wa- them on the map. Map. That yeah. was early on. That was a, a Sid day, or Sid's days, and uh, that put them on the map. They they had international fame because of that song in the U.S. and the U.K. You know that um, was after it, it, that. It, yeah, I agree. They kind of went down. You well, know? it's, it's kind of like what we talked about, or I, I I like to bring up that Pink Floyd had two careers, and it's almost like um, Spinal Tap, where they put out like, oh, whatever happened to them, and then they're like this, you know, these flower children band, and now they're a, a heavy metal band, where they almost had these two eras and but yeah. we got to see their transition so see emily play is just like pink floyd but they're you know they're still called pink floyd but it was sid barrett's pink floyd right. where this is roger waters pink floyd and we have fully completed the transition from one to the other well right. at dark side that that would that transition became complete i mean uh, mm-hmm. yeah. not just waters but also Gilmore, i did but, listen to see um, emily play for you dad though uh, would have flushed it. <laughs> I would have flushed it too. It's a '60s song. It's, period. It's a flower. It's a, it's flower a big. Flo- it gets the I big mean, F from me. That was. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't was, matter. It put him on. Put him on the map. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't unusually when we did that record. I was like, "Where is he, Emily?" Because I was looking for him. Like, why isn't it on here? I'm like, "Oh, it wasn't on the like the official like studio release." Correct. I think, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of. Because it, 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 it was kind of difficult. Because I mean, that, like you said, that was an important song in the in the early days. But yeah, but if you guys do yeah. like older material, you know, that just coming out of the fifties and not to go back to the fifties, but fifties, sixties, maybe early seventies, singles were everything. Yeah, right. you know, so you got You almost have to take the singles if they don't make it on the album. Take it, take them into consideration. Yeah. Which is an interesting. Well, with that one in particular, was, they had two different track versions of the album. Yeah. They had a U.S. and a U.K. version. Yeah, was it on the U.S. version of the? It was on the U.S. It was not on the U.K. I we see. went with the U.K. version, right. which I think was more of the right. official, I guess, release. Yeah, sure. um, I, yeah. I guess I'll I'll chime in. You know, since we've talked about the Kinks on this show, a little Kinks fun fact. But oh. one of their biggest one of their biggest songs, "All Day and All of the Night," not on their debut studio album. It was just it was a, a standal- yeah, standalone that, yeah. single. So, like, that was common. Well, uh, the Power of Love mm-hmm. was not on any Huey Lewis album. There either. you <laughs> go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Gotta get that in there. Well, we got uh, a great discussion going here, and we got to close it out. So, yeah, that was Animals, 1977. Thanks, Dad, for appearing on the show and yeah, also for you. introducing us to yeah, this thanks music. Thanks for having me. 
first place because I think if you hadn't done that, then we would have been doing the show. <laughs> yes, and uh, I don't know that Kevin would know Alex or I would know Chris. And then none of this would have happened had you not put on some animals when I was eight or nine or whatever. So thanks for that. Is that uh, good or bad? You, see, yeah. <laughs> you, you know what? That that brings me to almost wanting to do another band. I don't know if we're going to cover Maybe we could talk about it after the show. Maybe we could put an edit marker in here, Kevin, if you want. Yeah, but... Maybe you don't want to spoil it. <laughs> no, but, it I, so but, I, the... but, but I just, you know, there's that, that one album that your, you know, your parent got into and then therefore kind of changed the trajectory. And that maybe it's just like a bonus thing. But if it wasn't for Black Sabbath's Master of Reality, I don't know if I'd be talking to you guys because that was the transition from my dad listening to the Carpenters and the Hollies and then getting into hard rock music, you know, in the house that I live in. So it's like kind of funny how that all comes yeah. across. But yeah, music is really what I call the soundtrack to your life. And uh, small changes turn out to be big uh, going forward. So we will be continuing with The Wall. Um, we're not sure exactly how we're going to break that down because it is a behemoth track wise as a double album. But some of those tracks are quite short. So not sure how we'll approach it yet. But uh, stick around and we will cover uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall. See you then.